0: (laughs) (laughs) this ain't like other wrestling pay-per-views this one's worth twice the price, it's ECW's November to remember, and it's absolutely off the charts, the wildest pay-per-view of 1997, featuring the lunatic, the rudest, the crudest, the most insane, the most severe, the most hardcore form of sports entertainment. Available on pay-per-view today. It's an event so big it only happens once a year. And now it's available on pay-per-view. If you miss ECW November to remember, it's a regret you'll never forget.
1: So Mikey Whitbreck is in his generic Kerrang catalog (laughs) t-shirt. And his blue crip flag bandana. (laughs) Like, what is your gimmick, mate? I don't get this at all. (laughs) We've all dressed up like that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling podcast. My name is Rich. And as always, I'm joined by Tax Williams. Hello. How are you doing, sir? Have I got the surprise of all surprises for you. (laughs) Okay. Are we going to do this now? We are going to do this now because I think it's nice to uh, get things uh, out in the open because... I've heard some people will listen to our content and then our outros where we're given our plugs, obviously people stop listening. And, you know, fair enough. So I don't want people to miss this. Okay. If you've listened to podcasts previous by the World of Wrestling podcast, you will know that I, for some reason, have an open Twitter discussion with the man from the 5150, Conan. Oh, yeah, boy. So Conan and me, Twitter, Twitter mates, Twitter bros, if you will, um, I asked Conan to do me a favor especially leading into uh, the last uh, pod we're recording of 2018. Obviously, we've got our bonus episodes, which we'll cover later. But i asked Conan to send you and me a very special message. Hey. So, uh, based on the magic of studio, I will obviously cut in a better version (laughs) (laughs) of this. But just for reaction, ladies and gentlemen, one of my Christmas gifts to you
0: is this. Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom.
1: That, ladies and gentlemen, is the real Conan. He has kindly done a Ford for our podcast. And you're going to hear this probably on most of our podcasts going forward. Mate, I'm going to put it at the beginning of every podcast now into eternity, I think. <laughs> it's I literally can't believe it. So <laughs> Conan, off of WCW, AAA, Impact Wrestling, all over the world, coming over in 2019, potentially to the UK, has recorded a Ford for our little, pod- our little podcast. It's fucking A, man. That's excellent. <laughs> and uh, number two. So uh, obviously... This, as we mentioned on the prequel episode of the podcast, this idea was yours. Yeah. And I've loved every minute of doing this. Okay, We've good, watched some good, brilliant good. wrestling. We've watched some absolute dross wrestling. Well, so I suggested it, and you wanted to do it, so that's why I we're doing it. It's <laughs> kind of both of our input, but I appreciate that, man. Yeah, but that, it, man. it was your idea to do it, and, you know, you supply a lot of the equipment. You can probably tell which podcast I edit and you edit. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. So... Um, in a bit of a more forward thinking towards our first podcast of 2019, I've got you a little Christmas gift. Okay, let's let's uh, open this beastie. This is great for audio. Obviously. I'm not very good with gifts, as I've said before. <laughs> Where do I open it? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> right, I've got it. What have you guys? Oh, <laughs> awesome. So, so I saw Kenny, I was like, it's Kenny Omega. Oh dude, that's awesome. You bought me a Kenny Omega pop. I'm surprised I managed to get hold of this because apparently they're like gold dust prior to Christmas. I I don't know, but like, yeah, I've I've definitely heard they're rare. That's fucking awesome, man. Thanks, man. That's really, really generous of you. That's awesome. So Conan and Kenny Omega. He's throwing up the little uh, bullet club gun and everything, like the handgun. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. I think the only ones New Japan have released are the Him code in the Bucks. Oh, nice, man. Uh, Dude, that's so cool. Thank you very much, man. No problem at all. Merry festive. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we're doing the third and final of our triple threat of ECW podcast from 1997. We're doing ECW's November to Remember. I can't believe this is over 21 years old. Man, it doesn't feel like that when you watch it. I I mean, mean, the production's a bit dodgy. Yeah, the production (laughs) hasn't (laughs) aged well. Yeah. Some of the botches. (laughs) have <laughs> in-ring action have aged beautifully that they're just as good as they were 21 years ago. Very true, very true. But it feels uh, vibrant compared to a lot of modern day wrestling. And it's certainly a head and shoulders above our Hardcore Heaven review that we did last week. Mate, this is different levels of shows. Like We started with Barely Legal that was really, really fun and really important to pro wrestling because it was like the first ECW pay-per-view and there's a good story kind of behind it and everything. Had that middle one in November to remember. No, sorry, uh, what's it called? Hardcore Heaven. Hardcore Heaven, where it was just like, let's just get through this. There's been a big exodus. Let's just put on a podcast. We've got the show. We've got the venue. Let's just do it, get on with it. Paul Heyman jokes about how bad the lighting was. Yeah, that <laughs> I even cut that in on the last podcast. That's beautiful. so funny. But this feels like they're back on their feet. They're on the tracks. They're rolling. They're getting everything going again. And like off we go. I mean, 30th November, 1997. 4,634 people. What the fuck? That's a lot for essentially an indie show. Yeah, uh, so that's in Pennsylvania. This show was in a, I want to say, Monaco. I, I keep thinking Monaco, but it's not. Really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Monaco, Pennsylvania, and the Golden Dome. Do you know how this venue came about? Because I found a little... No, is this to do with Shane Douglas? It is. Okay, okay. so Shane Douglas is the one that booked this venue. Is also kind of semi-promoting it as well. Okay, so he talks a little, I'll get onto it later, but he talks about the experience of turning up and seeing all the people and such. Okay. Really, really cool. So basically, I'll say it now. So when Bam Bam and Shane were kind of planning out their match, people kept coming to him and saying, like, Shane, we've run out of hot dogs. Shane, we've run out of this. We need to do this. There's more people trying to get in the door, Shane. What do we do? And Shane's like, I'm trying to sort my match out with Bam Bam here. So they go back into Sabu's kind of infamous Winnebago (laughs) that he brings with him to every show across the the state because obviously he's from Detroit. And so he's somewhere to stay and he's trying to be cheap and save money as any good pro wrestler should. And so Bam Bam and Shane Douglas end up in Sabu's Winnebago trying to talk about their match. And allegedly they didn't talk about their match at all. They just sat there bullshitting because they're really good friends. (laughs) This all comes directly from Shane Douglas and his podcast, which is uh, the Triple Threat Podcast, uh, which I don't know if he does anymore, but these are just clips on YouTube I found. Um, So basically, Bam Bam and Shane are in the Winnebago talking about nothing and everything. And then they come back in before the show's about to start. Paul Heyman grabs him, gives him a big hug and a big kiss. And Douglas is like, this is weird for you. (laughs) Like, you're not usually this friendly. And so then Heyman takes him upstairs to where the balcony is, where the boys are looking out watching the show, and just unveils and cracks the curtain open. And Shane Douglas sees what he describes as a mob of ants. (laughs) Like, (laughs) in this arena. (laughs) And that's the first time Shane saw how many people had turned up to this venue wow. he booked. And like, what a feeling that must have been, man. Yeah, I mean, again, even, as I said, in modern day indie times, just under 5,000 people is a huge number. That's, that's Wembley. Yeah. It's Wembley Arena. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. This venue, it didn't, what do you think about the venue when you first saw it? Large. Large for ECW. I don't know. Did you know this is the largest crowd they had? Uh, I don't, up to this point, it has to be, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, it's the largest crowd. They put that over on the pay-per-view, but how, where is this in the... Run Le- of pay-per-view. The lexicon of like all the pay-per-views. Yeah. I mean, how much cool. does um, ECW Arena hold? That's like a couple of thousand. It, it's it's more like 1,400 at the most. Like if you packed yeah. it out, I think it's meant to be about 700. But like yeah. ECW being ECW, <laughs> they've got a lot of people in there. Keeping them rules. Yeah, very much so. Well, let's go up until uh, what's happened since our last pay-per-view. Okay. So, uh, as I said, we're just up the road from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in Monaco. <laughs> okay. So, our last pay-per-view was Hardcore Heaven uh coming out of that pay-per-view we had the world heavyweight champion was the franchise shane douglas the tv champion was taz and the tag team champions of the dudley boys developments between then and now okay so on the 20th of september on ecw's good as it gets pay- well not pay-per-view but super show or whatever the gangstonators oh, <laughs> <man laughs> of new jack and john cronus defeated the dudley boys for the ecw tag straps okay So around this time, you also get the Beulah and Bill Alfonso feud. Yeah. Which if our listeners haven't seen any of their matches, just give us a quick pause. Hop on YouTube. Just put in Bill Alfonso and Beulah McGillicutty if you can spell (laughs) McGillicutty, And just watch some of their matches. Because, oh my God, this might be my favorite feud ever. This all came about after Todd Gordon was using his contacts to try and get WCW to poach talent from Mm -hmm. ECW. And the only reason that Fonzie kept his job was because of these matches of Beulah. Yeah, because he was heavily involved in discussing. He was caught out by Heyman, wasn't he? He Talking was. To yeah. WCW and I th- maybe WWF as well. Or was it just WCW? Just WCW. All right, okay. Basically trying to get talent to switch and stuff. And you're like, oh, that's, that's not a good thing. Not for the original owner, inverted commas, of Eastern Championship Wrestling. Exactly, yeah. So uh, on the uh, 16th of October. Uh, as the cage match put it or on the 20th of October as WWE Network put it So I don't know when this actually was on ECW Hardcore TV Bam Bam Bigelow beat Shane Douglas for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship Bam Bam I watched this match Any good? really really good I don't know if you know this but there's loads of hardcore TV stuff on the WWE Network yeah there is I've seen this I couldn't find it originally because oh, if you, you just not? go to 997 in the ECW list it's not there you have to search oh, oh, yeah, hardcore TV because if you go too far and you find the WWE ECW yeah. stuff, so yeah. you actually got to, said, on the shows you've got to scroll all the way through to hardcore TV so let's just quickly go over this match because it was pretty cool actually right so Douglas brings out Rick Rude at the beginning of the match Who's gonna like pick his next opponent? Remember on the last one we talked about how much heat those two had. Oh yeah, this feels very legitimate. When <laughs> turns on him now. So by the way, this is the most intense crowd I've ever seen at any show ever. There's like balconies. They're in Queens, New York. For oh, okay. It and this balcony is literally above the ring, and there's a dude sitting on the edge of the balcony, like over the guardrail, oh like he's about God. to, if he slips, like he's fucking falling 20 foot. Like, it's terrifying. That's <laughs> right, Sabu botches that all the time, he'll survive. <laughs> <laughs> if no one dived off those balconies for ECW, I'd be amazed, yeah. mate, right? be yeah, a really, really cool. I can highly recommend this. Um, so Rude brings out Bam Bam Bigelow as Shane Douglas's opponent, who's already a part of the triple threat with Shane Douglas. Because it's them and Chris Candido at that time, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, that's the one. And Francine, I guess, as well. And and Lance Storm was the rookie in training. Well, that's what happens on this show. This is like a new thing that's going to happen after this event, right? Candido and Sonny come out and try and stop Bam Bam, but he ain't having shit. He's just like going for it. It's really, really cool. And essentially, it's a glorified squash match. Bam Bam comes out, destroys Shane Douglas, and wins the ECW strap. Rightly so. So on the 18th of October, after that, on ECW Hardcore TV, the FBI of Little Guido and Tracy Smothers, one of my favorite gimmicks ever, put uh, defeat the Gangsternators for John Cronus and am Glad the you e- said that name again. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to say it a few times tonight, to become the ECW champion. So the current world heavyweight champion coming into this show is Bam Bam Bigelow. The world television champion is Taz, and the world tag team champion are the FBI. So we're cold open on Joey Styles in the ring, as per with every pay-per-view we've done so far, and there's loads of signs in the crowd. There are immense amounts. You can barely see the crowd due to the signs. I've written some of them down. (laughs) You are in franchise territory, because obviously this is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Well, it's just up the road from Pittsburgh and that's where Shane Douglas is from. So this is like bizarro world. It's a lot of gold and black and orange, whatever sort of like the color of Douglas's trunks and ring gear. Loads of people in the crowd are wearing that. Loads of Shane Douglas signs. Worst heel in the business. Apparently Rick Rude confronted Shane Douglas backstage once and was just like, you're a shitty heel. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, wait, why? Like I respect your opinion, but why the fuck are you telling me this? He's like, the greatest heels in the business are hated most in their hometowns. It's like, Shane Douglas isn't no. in this slightest. He no is way. over as hell in this town. And uh, Shane Douglas talks about it being like a fun thing for Paul Heyman to be able to book. in that he can come to this town, it's a bizarro world, he can book Shane as a face, and everywhere else is a heel, and it's kind of fun for him, but it's not consistent. <laughs> no, and they get that across on commentary, because even Joey Styles at some point was like, um, I mean... It's all he deserves. Yeah. <laughs> he's reprehensible actions, and he's getting his comeuppance. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Joe was on fire tonight. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And there's a few audio issues later, which we'll get into. But let's talk about these signs. So, someone's done the drawing of a stick man. Someone's <laughs> got a uh, Eric Harimaika is gay. Hi Jamie and baby Cora. I heart you. Oh, that's oh, quite no, loving. Nice. That's nice. One. Will you marry me, Kelly? Whoever that is. Kelly Kelly, Barbie Blank. <laughs> Someone's just put, oh my God. And like, <laughs> yay. <laughs> EC franchise W. I was like, oh, that's quite clever. Nice, I like clever. that one. Clown Punch 420. Great, yeah, awesome. Show us your tits. <laughs> Classy. <laughs> that was for balls. <laughs> <laughs> Raymond loves Jenny. My favourite one in the crowd is France, Francine four sixty nine. For fuck's sake, and uh, the last one, uh, this guy obviously ran out of space in this sign because it says the real quint space essential on that <laughs> sign. Stud because he can't fit muffin in there mike dorsey so there's your shout out boys congratulations on making a sign in 1997 hope you're still alive to hear this uh this crowd's mental straight from the off yeah they're they're totally up for it in comparison to hardcore heaven where the crowd was you could hear crickets it's a different world this is insane this this crowd from the get-go made me Definitely more into the show. Yeah, yeah, Because after Hardcore Heaven, I was like, oh, did we reach the peak with Barely Legal? And are we just going to transition downwards? But it was a really nice surprise when this crowd just gave me that up to watch it. So Jury Styles welcomes us to the show as expected. He talks about this being the biggest crowd in ECW history. And tonight we'll give you a November to remember. Oh, yeah. Cut to the opening video package. Extreme Championship Wrestling! And, and down, down, <laughs> bam, bam. <laughs> yeah. so all these all these uh, opening packages have had that at the beginning, but yeah. we've never actually said it. So I thought I'd better include it in this And one. it's, again, a really flipping long opening package. It is. It's way too long. Yep. <laughs> so it's quite cool in that there's a mix of the last two kind of opening packages in that we've got some recent clips highlighting storylines and things like that, but then some kind of classic ECW awesome moments as well. Yeah. Like Barely Legal had just classic moments in their opening package. Hardcore Heaven. I keep remembering forgetting the name of that show. By the way, it was that bad. (laughs) Hardcore Heaven had just recent clips, so it's nice to see kind of a montage of both. And one of the things I noticed is that they were filming. They'd obviously done the edit, then filmed the monitor, yeah, with that edit and cut that back in. That was really smart. Yeah, I like that, especially for that time. Yeah, just really, really clever, like, really fun. Like obviously they haven't got the digital effects we have nowadays, this is something you could achieve really simply nowadays, but like to have that forethought to do the edit and then film the monitor and make it look all kind of hardcore and punky and stuff. So ring announcer Bob Ortiz introduces the opening match and holy shit, this arena is just going for it. It's lit really well. You can see all the people. Like You get this first pan across the audience. You realize how many people are in this kind of dome shaped golden building they have really learned from the last two shows as well haven't they yeah yeah obviously the facilities make it a lot easier but yeah definitely some production things which you could see as they progressed they got a lot better as you'd expect them to do so our opening match is tommy rogers against chris candido Stars puts over that this is the pick for the sleeper match of the night and that tommy rogers was one half of the fantastics with bobby fulton not a tag team i'd seen a great deal of no very very little it's o- the only thing i knew about tommy rogers he was the innovator of the unprettier Oh, okay, because he does it later in the match, and I wondered if he was the innovator of it. And that's obviously Christian Cage, or Christian Jay Riso, (laughs) um, nicked slash burrowed. Absolutely. So Joey puts over that Candido is engaged to Sonny of the WWF. No wonder why he's so happy. (laughs) (laughs) let's not go down that line too much but yeah we've talked about candido and sunny and their issues before at least not randy savage and elizabeth fuck me clearly this is just a sign in the 90s don't get involved with female talent on the roster don't get your wife involved whatever like how bueller and tommy are still together like i have no idea yeah how they survived this nonsense you see it more now in wwe you've got was it Zelina vegas married alistair black recently you've got naomi in one of the usos yeah Daniel Bryan won the Bellas. I There's could go on. Yeah, Cheers, yeah. total Bellas. Forgive me all this insight <laughs> and stuff. It, and clearly, it's a much more uh, pleasant environment to have your sort of marital bliss with. Yeah, it seems like a nicer place to be. Like one of the things I want to talk about later, and as we go over this, is the differences and what W F could learn from E C W yeah. and what they've developed from. But we'll get there. So Rogers is kind of gently booed upon his introduction. I think uh, he's not a typical E C W guy. No, um, he can certainly work fucking it, hell this boy can go classic wrestler though isn't he yeah southern sort of guy from what yeah. i understand with the fantastic so Indie reversal spot and stalemate to start first bit of technical wrestling immediately gets a boring yeah. <laughs> chance of ecw you're like come on boys this is really good uh rogers suplexes candido on the hardest part of the ring over the top rope straight to the floor gets a big EC dub EC dub great way to turn the crowd straight away immediately you know what they're into like they don't want any technical wrestling they want high spots they want you gonna kill yourself for them and that's all they care about tonight yeah we paid our $12 <laughs> kill yourself you must do this you'd never work again uh, Candido does flare chops uh, an impression which is really really fun The Rogers reverse it does the same thing in the corner kind of flicks his hands through his and goes woo I thought it was a really fun little tribute moment because both dudes have got the whole yeah. big flare sort of styling, I guess. Um, I don't know. I thought this was a really nicely timed match. There's lots of high spots, but they're not burning the crowd out. Like, just real quality resting. This is proper opener match technique, the way it's laid out, what they've got in ring action. As you said, there's a few big things to get the crowd into it, but mm. it was a very technically sound beginning. Classic opening card match. So uh, Lance Storm out to interfere. starts puts over that Storm is the pr- is prospecting for the triple threat kind of a bit of a biker kind of terminology used here but blonde rat style and all (laughs) it's gorgeous that's all they want in the triple threat they don't want Lance Storm Uh. they just want to get it on Shane Douglas (laughs) so Jerry Lynn comes out and goes and does his big metal introduction out to save Rogers uh Jerry talks about how this is one tag team of Rogers and Jerry Lynn and obviously Lance Storm is trying to be part of the triple threat with Candido and Douglas and such and so all four guys brawl in the ring. Everyone does a dive to the outside. Oh, my God. You see, Dub. You Dub. Referee John Finnegan grabs the microphone. And, and pretends says, to be Teddy Long. <laughs> this is now officially a tag match. Um, did you catch on commentary? Uh, through Joey Styles microphone. A fan obviously sitting right by him just screams, hey, Joey, is the ref allowed to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that on the network because that's exactly what I was thinking. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was fucking hilarious. So this develops, in, this is classic ECW, Paul Heyman style booking. Start something out, people come and interfere. Fuck it, let's just do it. Carry on. Exactly, do a different match. He does this twice on this show as well, which I thought was really, really fun. Uh, so it's develops into a tag team match of Chris Candido and Lance Storm versus Jerry Lynn and Tommy Rogers. Tommy Rogers kind rolls Candido and unveils a bit too much of Candido's behind. Uh, at least he tans. <laughs> All over, <laughs> All apparently. Over. <laughs> and my favorite moment yet of these three ECW shows happens at this point. Candido gets dropped off of the hardest part of the ring by Rogers, and Candido bumps onto a female photographer at ringside <laughs> who completely no-sells it. And she tries to walk away. But Candido, being the professional that he is, kind of grabs her and goes, hey, no, you're meant to sell this. I'm selling, bitch, come down. She's <laughs> completely John cena at him. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. As he's falling to the ground, he drags her down with him. and like, oh, God, Chris, it's so funny. Consummate professional. Fucking brilliant, man uh doomsday crossbody by rogers and lynn to storm gets two top rope powerbomb by candido to lynn always really uncomfortable seeing that move scariest whatever for the first time i noticed candido when he did this he didn't just traditionally grab him by the waist and pull him up for the powerbomb he grabbed his trunks yeah and lifted him up like that and had his hand by his neck All to the throw leverage. him forward yeah like really clever just that little bit of protection and security knowing that he's got something to grab onto but again this move used to terrify me as a kid yeah But seeing it done like this is so impressive. Candido, as we've said over the last few pods, really, had he not had his troubles and his difficulties, I Mm. think he would have been like an agent. He would have been a trainer, definitely, for his in ring skills. Yeah, you would have thought as much. I love his promo work, I love his in ring wrestling. If only he was like a foot taller. Yeah, definitely. Would have been an absolute superstar, like, in WCW or WWF, you know, for the big boys. Because even then, because I know, because it was the body donors when he went to WW with Sonny as their manager, wasn't it? Yeah, stuck with that shitty gimmick that yeah. Shane Douglas then got afterwards as well. Like, yeah. obviously, it's obviously a rib, pretty much. Yeah, maybe it was a Paul Heyman thing going, you can have my talent, but I've got a great idea. Dean Douglas <laughs> would be an amazing gimmick. Yeah. So we get the Tamakaze, as Joey calls it. Tamakaze! It's a huge pop from the crowd uh, by Rogers. This is Christian's unprettier, as we talked yeah. about, yeah. Or Roger's unprettier, as we should call it yeah. now, I guess. <laughs> um, I th- I th- the crowd obviously have never seen this before because they jump out of their seats. Yeah. Like, that's a serious pop. My favourite kind of pop. When the crowd don't expect something to happen, and then it's ten times better than you ever expected. Which goes so. When you break down that move, how good it actually is. Because well, I think when Christian did it, it was just a little bit namby-pamby, and you thought, oh, he's just falling down on them. But the way that Tommy Rogers did it, yeah. it was a proper, you know, spinning spike neck breaker. So when when I see Christian do it, it feels like it takes way too long to set it up and to protect. Yeah. Juice Robinson also does it as a finish now in New Japan and across the American Indies and such. And when he does it, he literally leaps up into the air and then the guy falls down with him. So they've kind of got time to protect as it goes up. But Rogers does it, he literally (laughs) spins, bang! (laughs) Like, before you know it, he's literally head first into the ground. It looks fucking awesome, but maybe a little dangerous for someone who's not as experienced. Yeah, but looked amazing yeah really really cool spot we get the northern Lights suplex by candido and rogers almost out of nowhere for the one two three and your winners are chris candido and lance tom beautiful bridge in that really quality yeah. really really fun again really little fun tag match cool little eye spots i love all four guys involved in it no problem whatsoever great opener great opener solid nothing else to say really about it so, brief highlight package from the last few ECW hardcore TV shows, which show Whipwreck beating Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yep. Again, more bum. With hair as well. Yeah, <laughs> like, where are you? Uh, On his head, not his bum. <laughs> <laughs> and just incredible beating the great Sasuke, which are uh, two very plucky underdog sort of things. You know, like these shouldn't have happened, really. So, uh, again, ECW, Paul Heyman trying to get new talent over, realizes there's something gone, the exodus has happened, he needs to get new guys over. Obviously, he's got Austin, he's got Sasuke. What are we going to do? Take our two young talents, try and get them over as much yeah. as possible. So we've got Justin Credible with the sexiest man on earth, Jason, who, is, who I always get confused and I think, oh, Buff Bagwell. <laughs> it's nothing to do with Buff Bagwell. <laughs> Versus Mikey Whitbreck. Um, two guys I've never been a big fan of. I've never really liked Justin Credible. I, and I don't get Mikey Whitbreck, other than the fact that he was a comedy foil for Mick Foley. Yeah, it's, it's a nice, young, plucky dog, young boy who gets victories when he shouldn't. Yeah. Just Incredible, I just don't get it. No. At all. I don't see why. I can see that he has some talent in the ring, but he's a bit of a spot monkey, he doesn't seem to have a very interesting gimmick. Like, What is his gimmick? No. He it, wears jorts and plaid? He basically looks like Paul Robinson, but Robbo's got a gimmick. Yeah, Robinson's just incredible. Angry, has scary a scary name. chav. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Mikey Whitprick I like because he was ring crew, and it shows that you can always go okay. from the because he was basically ring crew to start with I like the story with Mikey yeah, that's the best part of his character the yeah. story behind it the fact he'd never won a match never had an offensive move that was the best bit for Mikey Whitbrick but um, yeah other than the only thing for me in this match when I saw this I was like Jason, I remember when I got an ECW video game on the Dreamcast. Wow. And Jason was the first character I played. You bought a Dreamcast? (laughs) I know. You're one of like few to actually ever have one. Cash converters. (laughs) I wanted to play the ECW game. (laughs) Excellent. Um, And the first person I picked to wrestle with, random, Jason. That was was a mistake. Oh, Buff Bagwell. (laughs) 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 Oh, Have you still got it? The Dreamcast? God, no. That'd be worth a lot nowadays, especially with the ECW game. You find some wrestling nerd out there that wants it. God, that was a good thing to hang on to anyway so a fan at ringside has a sign about just incredible being oldo and a jobber and they get a huge pop out of Credible because he comes over spits on them and shouts something in their face and so the the fans are like yeah that was us we did that yeah not the reaction you want <laughs> though was hilarious to again be highlighting how Justin Credible could not really get over as a heel yeah pretty much uh, so Mikey Whitbreck is in his generic Kerrang catalog t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> and his blue Crip flag bandana <laughs> they're like what is your gimmick mate I don't get this at all. we've all dressed up like that right <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's ring crew as you say he's kind of dressed as, dressed as a fan pretty much so Joey puts over that both guys are 23 years old so obviously young boys come up in the business he's already had his run as older Montoya in WF, isn't yes. he yes yeah so this is after that so yeah. he was what 2021 really young kid wasn't he mad that they signed him at that age Like that, that was a Portuguese Man of War wasn't that's it the one yeah. yeah yeah of course the masked yellow yeah. character yeah <laughs> terrible gimmick I always get that confused with Max Moon cheers going <laughs> 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 so, both Justin and japan do the DX crotch chops as well. And you're like, come on, boy, this is all filler, no killer. This yeah. is not really very cool. At one point, they're exchanging sleeper holds. And uh, yeah, also put me to sleep. So, there we go. A <laughs> uh, few high spots, but it's a bit of a washout of a match. Jason gets a suplex and a low blow from Mikey for his troubles. Heels get the better of Mikey as the match goes on. Mikey gives Jason another low blow as Justin goes up top. Mikey climbs up a prone Jason as he's kind of bent down in front of the buckles, grabs Justin Credible off the top rope, top rope stunner, which is the snapper for the one, two, three. Mikey wins! Mikey wins! Which is a surprise. Uh, I think so. They built it as a shock, didn't they? Yeah. Joey got over as Joey tries shock. to put it over as a shock, at least. I don't know if I felt it was a shock. I, I didn't really care, to be totally honest. No, I said I was just like, Jason, Jason, quickly, Wikipedia, is that Buff bag Oh, it's not. Oh, the match is over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess if you think about it in terms of it's a it's a former wf guy yeah. against ECW Ring Crew, it's it's a shock surprise. Yeah. You know, like he shouldn't get this win really, but yeah, fun little storytelling. Don't hate it. The match is crap, but let's just move on. So Jerry Starr says, "Wait, hold on. Somebody in the truck is talking to me. What's that? Al Snow. I can't say that. Are you Kit? Al Snow is in the locker room." Getting head. <laughs> Backstage pre-tape with the job squad. Al Snow is completely changed from when we last saw him. He's got help me written on backwards on his forehead, dyed blonde hair, mannequin head sitting on the chair next to him, white t-shirt with the J-O-B squad, kind of NWO-esque logo. Blue Meanie is behind him, half naked. Just getting getting like, <laughs> 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 and Nova is sitting to his right uh, on the other side of Al, kind of with a. Uh, like a Paul Stanley star, like kiss thing yeah. on his face. Like, this is weird. Al Snow is complaining to the mannequin head that he's not wrestling on the show tonight. He talks about the head screwed head. Like, Brett screwed Brett. Yeah. <laughs> he's just losing it completely. Uh, and talks how the head was calling Eric Bischoff for a job. I think putting over the Bill Todd Alfonso, yeah, yeah, Todd Gordon shit. Yeah. Uh, Snow is ranting and raving. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy at all. And uh, I don't hate it. This is fun. It's kind of like they've combined. Crazy Al Snow with the BWO gimmick. Yeah. I the favourite part of this promo is when I saw the Blue Mini getting dressed, I was like, I'm not that fat. (laughs) (laughs) So there's also a Spike Dudley sighting because they're in the locker room and I just want to point out because I love Spike Dudley. What an absolute legend. At least he got a payday. Well, he might at least he works. (laughs) (laughs) Did anyone get paydays? Of course not. Dreamer. So cut back to Joey Stiles and he says Al Snow got a little head in the locker room and is totally ashamed he even said it. Like he's shaking his head, going, "Oh, I'm a good Catholic boy. What have <laughs> I done?" <laughs> uh, he puts over that in the match between Sabu and Sandman tonight that tables and ladders are legal. Wait a dick. isn't this ECW? Aren't tables, and ladders, and chairs and stuff always legal? They said something in the end in, in the main event where he was like, "Oh, we don't want to end up this match in the disqualification." <laughs> I was like, Joey. <laughs> Hang on, this is ECW, dude. I expect a higher level from you, Joey Styles. I wondered whether I'd missed the rule or something, whether you can get DQ'd. Well, the thing is, though, it was the only thing that could have been DQ'd in that main event was if the triple threat came out. But the triple threat weren't coming out, it was like right. he wasn't breaking a five count. So why is the referee doing a five count when there's no rules? Was that a specific rule for that match, or can the refs disqualify people in ECW? I don't think so. Because I've never seen it. No. I, I I read Reading through results, I saw, like, you know, count outs and DQs and stuff. No idea why, though, because I've never seen a match in ECW no. where it's actually happened. Convenience of storytelling. I wonder whether, like with New Japan and with uh, a few other promotions, whether it's kind of up to referee discretion. Whether it got too bad, they were like, fuck this, and just kind of chucked the match out almost. Yeah. But like, hmm. I wonder whether you come across it, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I think there was meant to be a video package here, but we cut straight to the ring. And oh, I checked. This is when I was watching the network for a little bit because the audio on the original version was so bad at times. I I mean, in fairness, the audio of commentary versus crowd noise throughout this whole paper on the network wasn't great. If that's the only criticism of the production I've got, the audio levels were poor now imagine it's a bootleg of the original broadcast from a vhs recording i don't know how you even tolerate that mate. it was unbearable at some times but like i just can't put up with this generic bullshit music that ever had. so again i was kind of swapping between the two i think so i'm starting to get used to the generic bs music now i'm starting to think oh that must have been their theme music <laughs> <laughs> so on the original version um there's a video package highlighting the most hardcore feud in ecw history as paul Heyman puts it Uh, doing his voiceover as usual. uh, Basically, it's Sabu and Sandman beating the fuck out of each other for a couple of minutes. There's Singapore cane shots are completely unprotected directly to the head from both. There's a fire moment where Sabu chucks fire at Sandman's face take note (laughs) (laughs) there's beers ladders chair shots again all completely unprotected vicious horrible there's even a slow motion clip of Sabu smashing a wine bottle over Sandman's head and face like he catches him above his eyebrow with this like what looks very much like a legitimate wine bottle yeah I mean sugar glass doesn't split like that fucking hell mate the stuff these two are doing to each other is just and also Sandman doesn't drink wine (laughs) he needs a beer (laughs) boy We can smash beer cans over his head, I mean, but the, not uh, the wine bottle. <laughs> That's too far, man. Maybe that was it the Ulmer insult. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he puts over, this is the first time ever, Sabu versus the Sandman. But we cut to Pitbull number two in the ring with Gary Wolf. No entrance jobbers. Hello for the ECW World Television title match of Taz, who's our current champion against Pitbull number two. With Brackus, Lance Wright, who's still covered in puke, <laughs> Pitbull number one. He's now got his helicopter license, though, so it's fine. <laughs> Notice that the uh, the Extreme Chopper didn't make an appearance this one. Mate, I would have loved it. If Imagine if just suddenly they're just like, oh, we've got 4,000 people queuing outside, and this is Lance puking himself, <laughs> puking over himself in the helicopter. It would have been awesome. So Jerry puts over that Pit- Pitbull called out Taz. For some God knows reason. Well done, Pitbull. You can't beat Shane Douglas, so now you're going to call out Taz, who's going to rip your fucking face off. You can see that Paul thinks they have some value or maybe they have something over him or something because they keep getting these awesome spots. And there's regularly guys who I'd be booking on these shows which are left off. Well, again, you'd have Spike Dudley in the main card. You'd probably have Al Snow and the BWO on the main card. You would have thought as much, yeah. Rather than, um, Jesus Christ, Pitbull 2. I don't know why he keeps getting this slot. I mean, I wonder if it's just a case of keep Pitbull 1 relevant keep or him. Gary Wolf. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe and they've got the, the, the kind of plot with the, the broken neck and everything with Douglas. So it's, it's that controversial thing of the ECW trying to book these controversial gimmicks and storylines. Yeah. Maybe Paul thinks there's value there in the future. Yeah. But I, I said, from my standpoint, I've never seen a good pit bull match. No, me neither. Neither one nor two. No. So Heyman is on commentary. Uh, and he puts over that from the mad dogs of war, it's pit bull number two. Um, it's kind of funny how Heyman talks over Taz's introduction, calling him the most miserable son of a bitch in professional <laughs> wrestling. I, I popped so hard for this line. Um, I thought that Heyman sounded so sarcastic on commentary, and I thought this match might have been a bit of a pain in the ass to put together backstage. Yeah. Because he's kind of constantly taking the piss out of both guys. He's absolutely burying it, isn't he? Yeah. I, I wonder whether this is just a bad bit of commentary or whether he was legitimately burying, but I think Paul's too good to know to not know what he's doing. I, yeah. I, I, one of the things I noticed during the, the bad Paul Heyman commentary is Taz started just basically no sell either. And that's when Paul oh, Heyman, yeah. that's when Paul Heyman's commentary got even more sarcastic as time went through. From looking at interviews with the Pitbulls or their shooting as well, like a long time after these, they, they seem to think of themselves as top guys. Okay. Specifically, Gary Wolf talking about being want to be a top guy and not wanting to sell for other people and stuff. And so I think basically what's happened is that. Uh, Paul's gone to both of them like can we just have a bit of a match because Paul Heyman on commentary goes uh he keeps putting over this match is gonna take all night there's gonna be a war between the two of them (laughs) two supermen in the ring like he's being so sarcastic and I think the idea was that you know Pitbull number two would start to dominate Taz he's the big scary dude Taz would come back with one or two moves choke him out win the match but as you say Taz is not selling shit for this dude he does not care Taz at this stage is chip on his shoulder thinks he should be main eventing I think as well and he just doesn't give a shit. I think there's an element of, as we get through the match, I think Paul Heyman's got Brackus, this big, terrifying-looking roidy dude, and wants to get him over, and Taz is like, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) He's not having my slot, because um, Paul Heyman puts over that Pitbull is the master of pinning his opponents. (laughs) Laugh my fucking ass off. (laughs) No, he isn't. Never pins anyone. Taz taps out Pitbull with the cutter, ha Jimmy." Kada Hajime! So, I looked this up. <laughs> I worked out, right, that Taz's gimmick is that he's a former judo submission sort of guy. Right. And I remembered that talking about, I'm a big fan of the Gracies, and I watched a whole bunch of documentaries. They talk about naming the Kimura after a famous guy who taps out one of the um, Gracies who was called Kimura. Not the bird in ECW? No. Because <laughs> that was, was a sex move. <laughs> oh, we've all had Let Kimura. me get my point, shut the fuck up! <laughs> So the Kimura is not called that in Judo. It's called something completely different. So I remember that in Judo, they have separate names for stuff. So I looked up Judo Choke. And they immediately came up with that. Cutter. Ha. Jime. So yeah, we can pronounce it properly now. After three pods, we finally got, got it. Or we need someone to spell something phonetically for us and we're <laughs> off to the races. <laughs> so have you got timing on this match? Because Taz taps him out, obviously, at this point. One minute, 29 seconds. One minute, 29. Taz has tapped him out already. Like, I love Haven just fucking over this match. <laughs> Main event, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So Taz proceeds to suplex Gary Wolf. Uh, Dude had a broken neck a few months back. Can we maybe not drop him on his fucking head, Taz? No sales, it. Jesus Christ! Did he? Yeah. Did he just roll out the ring? Yeah. up Fucking hell, dickhead. Uh, Taz grabs the microphone and starts to go. Well, it's obvious that Lance Wright's puked over himself. <laughs> 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 has brought his boyfriend with him tonight. It's also obvious that Vince Mann gave Lance Wright a present. Hopefully, a sick bag. <laughs> 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 The real thing that's obvious is that Lance Wright's boyfriend sticks needles up his ass. (laughs) Talking about um, Brackus Brackus at ringside, who's this giant dude. Um, Shows you the difference between come drunk and punch drunk, boy. Get up here. And like, oh, Taz is shooting. This is legit. This is not a line.
0: It's got to be, right? Yeah,
1: he's he's pissed off. Yeah, he hates this idea of this dude coming in. Yeah. So security get between Taz and Brackus. (laughs) This is the best bit of this match. Poor security guard has slaps the security guard as hard as he fucking can because he's obviously a bit <laughs> fucked off by this point chokes him out as heyman <laughs> screams yeah. down the mic get out of this ron go to something else as they clip to a cut of bam bam throwing spike dugley into the crowd and then throw and then crowd surfing across the audience because they're just like fuck this get out of this match the-, the best heyman quote in this when he was beating up the security guard was, oh great another lawsuit <laughs> <laughs> So, from this clip that they cut to, kind of ending the the, the lawsuit segment, I guess we call it, <laughs> of Bam Bam and uh, Spike, they cut to <laughs> they cut to a video package of Bam Bam beating Douglas for the ECW strap on the show we talked about at the beginning of the pod. And the original broadcast has extra bits here which highlight that Vince Man hates Douglas and that something about WCW screwing him over. Yeah, I didn't really understand this whole segment. Like, I don't get how Vince. I get how Vince hates Douglas because of the whole. Shane hurt in his back in the match, then quitting and leaving WF and Vince fronting up to him and all this bullshit. Where does WCW come into this? This is the whole NWA beef with Douglas and Flair oh, okay, yeah, from back in the day when he's like, they can kiss my ass. Yeah, so that comes down. Then, again, I think WCW wouldn't give him a job because of Ric Flair being like, hmm, don't want to touch this guy. Oh, absolutely. He's shot all over the NWA belt, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, probably a good idea. What do you mean, this this, 10 pounds of gold? What about this massive 16 pounds of gold we've got? Fuck the 10 pounds of gold. (laughs) 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 So we immediately cut back to the ring and the FBI, already out on the microphone, Tommy Rich oh my favorite thing ever like the fbi i think it's my favorite gimmick ever these two southern redneck boys go like it's so funny (laughs) the new york italian redneck mobster like where did they get this from this is fucking genius they don't give a shit excellent bleach job as well (laughs) so good so dudley's are out too no entrances for the dudley's Running long already, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Mm, That 129 Taz match. (laughs) Joel Gertner has a bow tie on his neck brace. Nice touch. Absolutely loved it. Thought it was really cool. Goes the quintessential muff stuff. I mean, (laughs) stud muffin. Uh, Good line. Joel Gertner puts over that he's just like a Rubik's Cube. The more you play with it, the harder it gets. It's true because if you can't get the matching corners on a Rubik's Cube, you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> he introduces all the Dudleys and it takes ages. Oh, why do we have to do all these intros? It just takes so long. Uh, well, just give him an intro, you know what I mean? Like yeah. give him a walkout, but whatever. It's good fun, but it's the same stuff we've heard like three times now. And I'm sure every fan that's turned up to every show in between has heard this introduction. But Although you could argue that's the whole reason why David Starr's over with his 10 point introduction. Dude's amazing in the ring, though. Yeah, besides the Dudleys. Amazing? ecw Mm, they're good fuck you Pitbull. (laughs) the recording artist and the wrestlers the best bit about this is sign guy dudley has a custom dudley jacket on yes like that's fucking awesome (laughs) it's got dudley printed across the back and like print all down it basically brick rude had all a voucher there you go sign guy off you go this is my dude this is your payment (laughs) 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 balls and axe out with chairs they smack them over the heads of the dudleys and here we go we've got an ecw world tag team four-way match a four-way elimination match the FBI of Little Guido and Tracy Smothers with Tommy Rich, who are the current champions, versus Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney, versus the Dudley Boys of Bubba Ray and Devon with Big Dick, Joel Gertner, Sign Guy, at Ringside, versus the Gangstonators of John Cronus and New Jack. Uh, I'm going to the original broadcast for this because I know what's about to happen, <laughs> and I'm not having some bullshit dobbed over music. I need the full on Dre Ice Cube well. <laughs> experience. Not only you probably had this for the Dre and Ice Cube experience on your original, but WWE were kind enough to still leave their generic music playing over most of this match. Oh, for fuck's sake. I bet that was fun. It was awful. Yeah, that's why I had to go to the original broadcast. I couldn't watch that. I just thought this would ruin it for me completely. Um, So the match starts out. There's some good, some hilarious spots. We've got pretty much everyone apart from the Gangstonators out doing chair spots, typical ECW stuff, hardcore three four way sort of match stuff new jack and crows at this stage like i ain't taking that shit (laughs) (laughs) we'll go out when we're sweet and ready absolutely tommy rich and big dick dudley get involved too which is kind of fun as well like where are the gangstonators natural born killers by ice cube and dr dre hits to a huge pop from the crowd and continues to play over the entirety of the match yeah so do you know about like uh how this came about this was not paul Heyman's idea. What this way No, the uh, the music over the match. Oh no no! This was New Jack's idea. He saw a movie and realised that it was like an action movie and there was music playing over the top of the scene. He's like, ah, I want music to play over my matches, so it feels like a movie, an action movie sequence. It was awful. Well the the? Well, the gimmick. I thought it was the match. I, Do you I, not like the idea of the music playing? No, was, I found it distracting, and I just felt that someone basically pressed the button and gone for a Wii. Really? And you don't ca- like this at all? Not for me. Have you seen it before? Is this your first time seeing first it? First time seeing it. Oh, okay. This happens on every New Jack match well, ever. We saw the New Jack stuff before and I was like, oh, someone left the musical. Oh, off. I'm really didn't, This is like didn't my favourite gimmick. Oh, really? Yeah, I love this. I think this is hilarious. I think the concept is a good idea. I think the execution is poor, possibly due to the clusterfuck of what's going on in the ring. It might be that I'm just like one of those fans opposite the hard cam that I know every word to this fucking song. (laughs) So I'm sitting there just kind of like rapping along watching New Jack smack people over the head with guitars and stuff. I'm having a great time. Yeah, Jeff Jarrett wants his gimmick back. (laughs) Dude, this is like a part... Do you really hate this? Because it's a party sequence to me. This is like one of the most fun things. I wouldn't say I hate it. I think it just distracted me from the match because all I was thinking about without knowing this was New Jack's thing, (laughs) I just thought this is a production cock up rather than a deliberate thing. Oh, okay. Now this is uh, every time New Jack's in the ring now. This is what happens until he leaves. Pretty pretty glad this is the third and final ECW pay for you recovering covering New Jack on then. Oh, <laughs> I'm disappointed. But anyway, New Jack has a crutch, he has rubbish bins, he has baking trays, a mailbox, a cheese grater, golf clubs, frying pans. They're just smacking the fuck out of each other. he just, just been to Walmart. Uh, pretty much, man. And hadn't paid. A new jack sells absolutely nothing. Of course. <laughs> Every time he hits someone with something, it's like, you sell this motherfucker, but he's determined not to sell a single thing that comes his way. That's why they were like, out. Taz got in his ear and was like, I didn't sell. You're not selling. Make sure Cronus doesn't sell. So I put a little note to myself saying uh, here, saying, like, ironically, I bet tax is loving this match XDX60. XD, because XD, XD. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that you'd hate all the hardcore stuff. I would have thought you'd love the 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 change in. What was happening? That's something a bit new, a bit different. I like the silliness of okay. some of the spots. Fair enough, mate. I, mean, I said I, I didn't think this was a bad match. Yeah. I just think if you've got so much going on, plus what I consider at the time a production cock-up going all over it, I thought, this is a mess. Right, okay. And as you said, the no-selling, it's no Jack, it? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So Big Dick Dudley does a goddamn moonsault and completely misses. was <laughs> 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 still impressive seeing a dude that big doing moonsaults. Yeah, he nailed it the moonsault to the canvas yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one was, and the canvas sold it yeah exactly No, never sell- got up he, mate, dude he no-sells it completely like he just stands up after doing the moonsault and, and choke slams cronus straight away and uh, new jack hits big dick dudley with the guitar and like his crack cocaine comes flying out of the guitar <laughs> He's like, that's where i left it fuck <laughs> cronus up top 450 still can't believe he can do a 450 Tries to pin big Dick Dudley. He's not in the match, Dummy. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Uh some guy in the crowd knows every lyric to natural born killers and is mouthing along just like me. So Bubba Dudley does a massive plancher over the top rope tail to outside to everyone. Tommy Rich in the ring now to stop New Jack diving from the top rope to the outside, gets a guitar shot from his trouble, more cocaine, goes flying out. And he's like, God damn it, I left the other bag in there. <laughs> this has cost me a lot of money tonight. <laughs> Kronis up top. Little Guido hits him from behind. Bubba with the ace cutter. Kind of cool, combination of the two guys. One, two, three, and Bubba eliminates the gangstonators. Wait, this is elimination at this point is what I was thinking. Like, oh, fucking hell. This has gone on yeah. a bit already. Like, can we please end this now? Um, Go accidentally blinds Bubba with the powder. Bulls Mahoney picks up Devon. Bubba, still blinded, gives his own tag team partner the 3D for the one, two, three, and the Dudley boys are out of here surprised at this stage the Dudleys went out. I thought the Dudleys were my pick to win it. Yeah. But I think they're just trying to keep the FBI over, really. Yeah. And, like, they know they can do it over these guys. So here we go. So down to the FBI and Balls Mahoney and Axel Axel Rotten. Is Axel Rotten, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Scary-looking inverted DDT by Axel and Little Guido. Thought he broke his neck. I've never seen an Axel Rotten match where I've not feared for the safety of someone else. Pretty much, man. Ball swings Guido around and knocks down the ref. Another ref, Jeff Jones, comes out to count the fall, but gets stopped at, stops himself at two, deliberately overselling that the other ref is down. He kind of counts the fall and goes, Oh no, the (laughs) other referee is down, and runs across the corner like, Oh no, like really sarcastically. Nice bit of overselling. Uh, Needed to tell the story. Yeah, heel ref character. Yeah, Nick Patrick. Yeah, pretty much, man. Um, I wonder whether the ref was Italian, just like Tracy Smothers and Tommy Rich. (laughs) That's why he's not counting the pinfall. (laughs) Little Guido rolls up Axel Rotten. Ref counts to three. Maybe a little too fast. Quick pinfall. Uh, And your winners and still tag team champions, the FBI of Tracy Smothers and Little Guido. I think keeping the belts on FBI was a good move because then you really are potatoing those belts around, aren't you? Hot potato for all of them. I mean, that's what they're there for really in ECW, I think. I think they know that... They've got a reasonably good tag division, but fans want to see title changes, and so you don't do that with the the big belt. You don't do it necessarily with the the TV championship, especially when Tazzle's got it. You think about RVD's run with it as well; they're long-term runs. Yeah. So you have to give them those gratifying title changes moment, title change moments, and so I think they use the tag belts more in that way. But I'm very happy they're not too hot potatoe at this point. Yeah. So we cut backstage to a pre-tape of Tommy Dreamer with Beulah McGillicuddy arriving into the arena. Tommy puts over that he's injured and shouldn't be there tonight, but nothing will stop him. This is his company. He limps off as he tells RVD that he'll feel what the revolution is all about. Video package for Tommy Dreamer versus RVD. Heyman's voiceover puts over the feud. Uh, RVD buried Dreamer under the WWF flag. Love the use of the terminology. Dreamer raised an ECW flag in a latter match, but not burying rvd yeah so they're, they're setting up the feud here the one guy's WWF, one guy's ecw and they've got flags involved somehow jerry stars is not like, continuing to put over like the future matches backstage we've got bam bam Bigelow versus shane douglas who have both refused to give comments tonight because they're so focused on their match it's what he's been over nothing to do with hot dogs <laughs> oh because <laughs> he's backstage as yeah. well how many hot dogs there are for the crowd uh by this point, I'm already getting Walked by Pantera playing in the background. Did you get any music playing over this segment? No, of course not. They isolated Joey Stars's commentary or whatever. So yeah, so literally, they've obviously hit play on the entrance music too early because yeah, Joey Stars is literally screaming over the top of this music because he can't hear himself. It's a bit of a production issue at this yeah. point. Not the first audio problem they have on this show. Uh, Joey, Joey is still talking as he puts over the rules of the flag match I, I don't think he can hear himself because he's not really putting over the rules no, at, all. at all he talks about how the winner gets to raise their own banner so it's a normal match but the winner gets to hold up their flag at the end yeah total props wouldn't they get to do that anyway <laughs> bit weird maybe they can't be outside interference <laughs> with raising <laughs> the flag I thought this was so strange I just didn't get it at all um, so we get WWF versus ECW flag match even though it's not really a flag match with Rob Van Dam with Bill Alfonso versus Tommy Dreamer with Bueller, I really like the beginning of this where they're doing their entrances. And again, they're putting over that dreamers injured, but in, in a different company. where well, he said, Vince McMahon's WWF dub, I've dubbed out the F. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, okay. on the network version, but they'd have to sign paperwork. They wouldn't be cleared to wrestle. Joey Styles went on to say, well, I'm never going to have a job to work there. So I don't care what I say. <laughs> nice <laughs> moments. I love how Fonzie's in the WF Raw cap as well. A yeah, like bright nice. red one. Really, really funny. Which You're is great saying- at this stage as well because they hadn't really been on TV much since the barely legal angle. Uh, I guess not. I don't think he'd been on WWE TV that much, if I, at all. I don't remember much after that at no. all, but they're continuing with the gimmick, that's for sure. Like, Paul knows what's going to get him over as a heel, especially when he's so talented. I think he wants a talented heel. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, it's really cool. So uh, as Fonzie comes to the ring, goes, Beulah, I remember this, and points to a wound on his forehead. You're like putting over that little feud between him and Beulah. I think Fonzie is so underrated for quality of work that he is, and all the little intricate things he remembers to do yeah his focus and concentration even his interaction with the crowd just turning around going look at that is that your guy is that your guy Or ducking away when someone tries to swing at him very nice it's fucking brilliant man such a quality worker so rvd tries to get a wwf wwf chant going and completely fails because the fans are like fuck off mate um enter sandman plays uh hang on that's not meant to be his introduction. Yep. This point, <laughs> <laughs> music immediately faded out. Gets you fucked up, chance from the sound to the sound guy. I'm assuming you didn't get this. Of course not. Yeah, because they cut it out. Uh, Man in the box hits, and out comes Tommy Dreamer with Bueller and a big ECW flag under her arm. Don't you mean? Dum 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 da-da-dum, dum dum da-da-dum, dum 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 dum. I fucking don't. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Styles puts over on commentary. The Dreamer's injured, uh, his shoulder and his arm are all fucked up. Um, don't know if legitimate or not. Was this d- legitimate from WF? I'm not sure. It looked wrestling in that boot looked worked. What boot? Because to- uh, Tommy Dreamer was wearing a prosthetic boot, wasn't he? Was he? I thought so, on his right foot. Oh, I didn't see it. I was watching the original broadcast and it was pretty grainy, to oh, say okay. the least. So maybe I just completely missed it. I didn't see a boot at all. Oh. I hope I'm not making this up in my brain. <laughs> if not, that's a really weird Tommy Dreamer dream. That's all right. <laughs> So Fonzie is announced, as the uh, ring announcer does it, as the Senior Vice President of Extreme Affairs for the World Wrestling Federation. They put a lot of thought into that. Yeah, really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whoops. Uh, I immediately cut to the start of the middle of the match. Completely missed the opening sequences like, entirely. It's not there for me. You didn't miss much. What happened? Like, did you get the beginning of this match? So basically... Um at the beginning they just try and get over the, the steps without having anything on a pole a lot of interaction with Fonzie and Butler on the outside right okay classic like heel working over face this was the first time we did get to see proper Rob Van Dam with the thumb though oh because he does it on the uh, the end of the match yeah. as well so yeah. he does it on the intro yeah right okay so we started to do it finally cool awesome because I've been waiting for that the whole time we've been doing these pods yeah so it's taken three pay-per-views for someone to go what if you did this <laughs> Uh, so basically, I cut into Tommy Dreamer and RVD on the floor already. RVD is already bleeding, looks hard way because it's above his eyebrow. Did it was not, hard way. What happened? Dreamer just fucking clocked him. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Just absolutely smacked him. Fair enough. Uh, Big sit, the first big sit the fuck down chance (laughs) because the the crowd are pissed off because as great as this arena is and as full as it is, there's lots of floor seating. Uh, Fonzie interferes and scratches at Dreamer's face, which I thought was a nice touch, like really kind of catty looking like (laughs) ringside. Had you cut in at this stage when we had the Van Dam Swallows chance? Yeah, that's the next one. It's Uh, a Van Van Dam Swallows. Clap, 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 clap. I'm surprised they didn't cut that on the network. No, no, we had that. Good stuff. There's a very dangerous-looking suspended neck breaker by Dreamer. Gets a, break his neck, break his neck, as the crowd, like, a bang for blood at this point. Always compassionate, the ECW fans. Oh, they're so <laughs> nice. Especially this Pittsburgh crowd. They seem extra kind of, like, jockey, I guess is the best yeah. way to put it. They don't give a fuck about the guys in the ring. No, it's a case of, I want you to hurt your opponent for my enjoyment. Yeah, I think the guys in, like, um, Philadelphia, like the ECW arena, the, the main bit of Philadelphia, It's um, it's it's a, it's a family affair like they're all brothers and sisters or whatever yeah. sisters. there's no girls here <laughs> 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 they're all looking out for each other like it's like a like a going to a metal crowd and being in a mosh bit with people like yeah they're gonna fucking mosh with you but they'll pick you up yeah. you know what i mean i i feel that pittsburgh's more woodstock 99 yeah bunch of douchebags you know without a shadow of a doubt it's a bit weird really fonzie keeps interfering in the match uh keeps um, to the point of smashing over the ref's head he's just like a boom with this massive tray or something. Yeah left over from the earlier match from New Jack's like trolley of enjoyment just left something out there. Uh, referee Jeff Jones comes out again the heel referee from earlier and interferes in this match taking out both the other refs and stops Dreamer from winning the match. Such a heel dick this referee's he got a big future <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Jones then fronts up to the other two refs as they get back up and challenges them they face off as Bueller comes in. Low blows referee Jeff Jones. Both the other, re- other refs give him a double DDT and do the Riven pose the Dreamer stole. Yeah. You know what I mean? Love, lo- lovely double Dreamer DDT. And like, the <laughs> referee sold it like a trooper. It's awesome, man. It gets a huge pop. And holy shit, this was so, so good. This Taz, popped me hard. Ted should have watched this and learned how to sell. <laughs> uh, Fonzie low blows both the other refs. Bueller jumps in, low blows Fonty. The booking, mate. This is yeah. awesome. Bueller is now the ref in the match. Yeah. Don't know how that's legal, but whatever. No, you need that fan shit. shout to Joey Stars and go, can she do that, Joey? <laughs> <laughs> so this is one of those classic ECW moments where Tommy Dreamer gives that pile driver to RVD. The most gifable ECW. Because <laughs> RVD sells it by popping himself in the air like three foot out of a pile driver. Like, holy shit. Impressive, RVD is just crazy talented, isn't he? This is the first moment for me that I've been like, "Wow!" for RVD. Like he's really good. He can do loads of high spots, but all the other matches we've done so far have been a bit spot monkey nonsense, no purpose. This is the first time where he's got a strong feud. Tommy Dreamer knows how to work, and where he came up with this sell out of this pile driver, I will never know because. How do you think to push yourself up like that, and that high? Yeah, and again, even even if he said to Dreamer, can you just give me a little bit of a lift up afterwards? Yeah. Uh, it's insane. It goes to show how good RVD is if he has a decent storyline to work with and a decent dance partner as well. Because other than this feud, and maybe the feud of Jerry Lynn, can you think of any really decent RVD feuds other than potentially Cena because of the atmosphere when he cashed in at One Night Stand, Cena and Orton and just before RVD left ECW, WWE, ECW, he yeah. had a really nice little feud with Orton where they did like the big RKO spike oh, cell yeah. and stuff, yeah. where you can see RVD going, "Oh, that was cool, man." <laughs> before <Number laughs> like I talking to himself. Um, but apart from that, and those are two WF feuds out of four that we picked. Yeah. He wasn't. He was booked as strong, but he was obviously booked as a spot guy, not as a we can tell really cool stories with this dude. Yeah, this is the measuring stick. If you can work with RVD and get a good match out of him, I mean, I think Taker did well with him, but I think the Taker would drag a match out of his ass. I don't even remember it. Uh, that's when RVD went off the Tron crossbody. No, don't remember. Sorry. Memorable. Yeah. <laughs> <well>. <laughs> so the crowd really start to piss me off at this point because after this amazing kind of classic spot where they should be applauding and <laughs> clapping this cell job to be fair they start going nice ass Bueller, nice ass clap clap because she's down counting the pinfall for it i mean it's true they've got a point they but still lied. like come on it's, there's a good match going on two boys in blue who i don't recognize oh, do a run in doug furnace and phil lafon from wwe brilliant <laughs> 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 do a run in tommy is distracted it's stevie richards Yay! He does a re- he's returning from the wcw he does a run in gets big welcome back chance a stevie super kick streamer in the face rvd up top hits the still not quite the five star frog splash boys in blue and stevie count the pinfall one two three how is this legal all legit referees they've <laughs> all got their referee licenses <laughs> <laughs> Fonzie announces RVD is the winner so not even the ring announcers doing his job at this point they're like this is not legal boys fuck off uh, Fonzie holds up the big WWF flag distorted on the network oh was it? because yeah. oh, they can't have WWF yeah, on the you've thing you've got World Wrestling Federation but the, the actual logo was video distorted so Fonzie holds up the big WWF flag which is read out know, uh, they lay Dreamer on a table and drape the flag over him <laughs> Joe shouts out about it being uh, this was all a stinking setup. Sabu comes out now up top. Beulah begs him to stop and and not jump on to fucking Tommy Dreamer. Sabu goes, fuck it. Gives her a top row clothesline for her troubles. God damn. He's a reasonable man. He listened (laughs) to her plea and he said, all right, I won't hit Dreamer. (laughs) This is fucked up. Was this on the network? Yes. Wow, they left that in. I'm surprised to be honest. Uh, This is the point in this pay-per-view where I'm just like, this show is so much better than the last one. Yeah, this was watchable. All this cool booking, the storytelling. The second match in a row we've had like what I consider like ECW Paul Heyman style booking, chaos and mayhem after every match. Like really, really cool. All six heels are now stomping on Dreamer as he covers up, like, like covers up over Bueller, I guess. You can call yeah. It, like, lying on her, trying to make Protecting sure. Texting not... Exactly, and boom, boom, boom. Which you don't get <laughs> <laughs> no no not at all how can you do sandman matches without into sandman playing it's like it's the one good thing about his matches it's the third match i've seen with him in the last three weeks <laughs> like, it's the now his entrance him <laughs> lozalric can go fuck himself <laughs> uh, so with everyone still out from the last match here comes the sandman he takes fucking forever to get to the ring to save dreamer. Like he's he's so inebriated. Comes out, he's kind of, oh, alright boys, I'm here to just the to die. It's gonna be great. i I'm glad Sabu's already out here, because I'm pretty pretty t- uh, but I'm not resting Taz. <laughs> which which one's Sabu again? Fucking <laughs> hell. So in what is we talked about earlier as being a tables and ladders match in ECW where there's tables and ladders in every fucking match. We've got Sabu with Bill Alfonso still out of ringside because the rest of the guys gone to the back against the Sandman. Um, Sandman takes fucking forever to get to the ring. He pops a cold one, smashes it over his head as you might expect. Uh, He just looks... I, can't, I don't know how else to say it. He's completely inebriated. He's fucked. He is off his face at this stage. Absolutely. He's just completely wrecked. Even if Scott Hall went near him, he'd have to go back into rehab for five years at this <laughs> stage. <laughs> to the point where Sandman is staring out people at ringside for like five minutes. Like, hey, no. oh, there's a wrestling match going on and kind of realizing what's happening. At least this show, someone didn't rub his belly. Oh, mate. Staggering around, like doing all sorts of stupid shit. Like he's just... I've never seen Sandman this fucked up coming to wrestle. Yeah, it wasn't great, was it? Like, he's usually a bit pissed, but like, you can see why people would complain about working Sandman. It's very strange. Um, so, Sandman immediately climbs a ladder on the outside of the ring. Cracks open a beer. Sabu's like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> Topes him through the ropes, off the ladder, and immediately, I think Sandman's broken his arm or something. Yeah, he's screwed straight away. He's, he's cr- really hurt. He's grabbing it, protecting it the whole way through the match. Like he's he's damaged his arm, and really he's too badly. hammered to sell that well. <laughs> I wonder whether he came in injured, and that's why he's all fucking peeled up and drunk out of his face because he's like trying to hide the pain so he can go out there and wrestle. <laughs> no, it's just Sandman. It's just Sandman. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe. So uh, the match straight away is completely brutal. I don't mean brutal as in like it's stiff. I mean, brutal is like, this is difficult to watch. This was very unpleasant. Yeah. I, yeah, I wasn't a fan of this match other than the comedy botches. I mean, I don't even know if this is comedy. This is kind of sad for me at times. The best spot of this match. And again, I, as I said, it was uncomfortable to watch. There was a lot of unpleasantness. But one of the main spots I wrote down was where Sandman set the ladder up on the, ga- on the, uh, the guard round on the outside. Yeah, Sabu was standing at the ring apron. Sandman slingshot himself over the top rope, hit the ladder. No one got it hit, but Sabu, like an absolute champ, was like, oh, fall over. <laughs> wasn't jo- even near him. And Joey Styles did his best on commentary to get it over. He's like, oh, oh my god, he just slingshot the ladder into Sabu's face. That's <laughs> just terrible, isn't it? The whole thing is madness. So, I mean... I imagine the arm injury is legitimate because I can't imagine Saman and Sabu backstage going, what we're going to do is we're going to do a spot right at the beginning. You're going to sell the arm. Or we're going to work the arm. The Can you Can imagine you... that conversation? That'd be brilliant. Or the fact is, again, Taz backstage going, sorry, lads, a lot of people know Soul tonight. Can you go at least work a body part? And, you know, Sabu and Taz would get on really well. It gets really messy really, really quickly. Saman puts Sabu on the table from the apron to the guardrail, hardest part of the ring. Smashes his head into it and the table breaks before they've even done the spot. Sandman gets Sabu on another table. Same position, apron to guardrail. Leg drop over the top rope. Barely catches Sabu at all. and They crash through the table together. Lots more sit the fuck down from the crowd because they can't see what's happening because these dudes are just walking around ringside doing shitty spots. Uh, Triple triple jump, leg drop through a a table. Same thing again. Sandman sitting against the guardrail, mouthing, oh my God, holding his arm, <laughs> looking sorry for himself. Uh, it's just bad. It's just, it's time to go home so quickly. And this match goes on for ages. I watched a bit of a shoot with Sabu where he talks about working with Sandman. And the question he got asked was, who's the hardest person to work with in the whole industry? And his immediate answer was, hmm, Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he's unorthodox and drunk. So you can't get him in position can't do what you want to do. You just have to work with it and see what happens. Unorthodox. <laughs> brilliant. <I> mean, <laughs> is that not the nicest way to put it? Yeah. A fucking liability <laughs> and drunk. Saman goes through a tope from the top rope, apron to guardrail again through a table and completely misses. Sabu kind of sits up and like, um, I don't think I'm taking that one, mate. Fuck off. Through you go. Another triple jump moonsault onto a ladder by Sabu. Looks terrible. Lands on his ribs. Absolutely brutal looking. Uh, At this point, I think that Sabu starts to get really fucked off with Sandman being so inebriated because he's just smashing ladders over his face. He's like, fuck off, bang, fuck off, bang, just over and over. I think he's literally just trying to wake him up and sober him up. Do you reckon that's I reckon he's literally just trying to slap the shit out of him going, you need to, we've got five minutes left, fucking up your game. You know how back in the day people talk about stretching people when they do bad things to show them a lesson? I think this is Sabu beating the fuck out of Sandman to teach him a lesson. Yeah, but Sandman's mm-hmm. so inebriated, he doesn't really understand what's going he on. He doesn't give a fuck. Like he's, he's still trying to do all these high spots and yep. stuff. I mark out for an Abbey spot where Sabu starts repeatedly stabbing Sandman with a fork. I wonder whether Sabu had this fork in his trunks just in case something went wrong in the ring. But that's really dangerous to have to set a, tr- a fork in your trunks. Mate, land awkwardly. That's going to end really badly. New Jack's talked about having a knife in his gear every match he ever did. Yeah, but that's yeah, New like, Jack. Well, that was fucking mental, mate. So Jesus Christ, Sandman just vaulted the top rope to the outside to absolutely nothing, which is the bit you were talking about <laughs> earlier. Oh, God. just it's so f- die to Fucking watch. stupid, isn't it? It was both by- when mass transit is better in ring than the flipping sandman. Cool. Jesus. Don't talk to the of the dead. <laughs> I'm not. He's don't... better than the sandman. <laughs> uh so i put down this is the figurative and literal iteration of garbage wrestling this is just trash somehow sandman has got the crowd on his side at this point i think they just feel really sorry for him because sabi was beating the fuck out of him and they're going fuck him up sandman fuck him up which is the first chant of the whole match we're like 20 minutes in i swear at this point it's gone very long and oh my fucking god sandman sets up a ladder inside the ring tries to throw himself off the top of it giving (laughs) no fucks about his own well-being or whatsoever is literally millimeters away from catching his neck on the apron as he goes down which would have killed him like legitimately that's broken neck stuff and thank god he just misses it and goes through the table with sabu and stuff like think about jeff hardy doing his swanton's off the top of the ladder now imagine the ladder's like you know three foot tall in the ring and it's fat drunk sandman doing it to the outside <laughs> awful like fucking crazy at this point i'm like finally we must be getting a finish right but sabu throws fire at the sandman in the corner fondi's in sandman grabs him by the head sabu off the top with a thrust kick to sandman's head where he literally just kicks him in the fucking face as hard as he can how is this not the finishing spot for fuck's sake it's still going <laughs> i like the fact you reglazed over the shitty fireball. Oh, well, it was trash. It missed completely. Why? Literally, with that touch paper, yeah. no one's ever done it well. Warrior and Hogan cocked it up. Yeah, Sandman and Sabu. No one. It never works. On the opening package, they showed them doing it and it actually worked because Sandman, I think, was less drunk. So we knew it to be in position for it. With this one, Sandman's just standing up. He's not even near Sabu at this point. Uh, yeah, it's fucking nightmare, isn't it? So more stupid spots with ladders and diving off or over the top ropes. It goes on forever. We get an Arabian leg drop with a ladder off the top by Sabu for the one, two, three, literally out of fucking nowhere. And mercifully, it's over. Sandman is fucked. Bloody love an atomic Arabian face buster with a ladder. But Jesus Christ, at this stage, I was like, this was ridiculous and not in a good way. Nah. Trash. Absolute trash. This almost killed this pay-per-view for me watching this match. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I mean, I laugh about it now because the spots were so dire, but this was awful. Had I paid money to watch this, yeah. even if I was into hardcore stuff, I was like, how can anyone think they're a professional wrestler? And I can understand why a lot of the, the old boys hated ECW because if you showed them this match, it goes against absolutely everything that is wrestling. There was no storytelling. There was no peril. It was just basically one man beating up a drunk. And a drunk man trying to fight back and falling off ladders through tables, almost killing himself. Playing devil's advocate, we talked earlier about how the crowd weren't into anything Tommy Rogers was doing and the technical stuff. They literally just want high spots and death at this point. Did they not give it to them in this match with a heel face dynamic? Yeah, but were the crowd actually into it? Because they said you got their first chant pretty much near the end of the match. They gave them a big standing ovation at the end because, you know, they cause Cause it's over. cut four years off their lives <laughs> to do this match. No, I I even think the ECW fans at this stage were probably thinking, oh, it's the first time Sam and Sabu have gone against each other. We're expecting something to be quite violent. but Quite, yeah. (laughs) Jesus Christ. But it was awful. Absolutely awful. Terrible. Concussions all around. Worst (laughs) match of the three shows. Oh, really? Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. I mean, we needed something like this. It's ECW. We haven't really had a crazy, crazy hardcore spot fest. This isn't even a spot fest. It's just a fucking mess. But... It was, it was interesting to see. It gives us some perspective on the negatives about ECW, maybe. Yeah, and this is a big black mark against it. I'm sure there's some people out there listening to this going, that's my favorite match of all time sort of thing. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but some people are wrong. But you're fucking wrong. <laughs> 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 so we get some slow-mo extreme replays. Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman found the slow-mo button again. Uh, yeah, I would say they get a standing ovation for Sandman, but he can barely stand, so it's more of a kind of staggering about ovation. So whatever. I think it's more of an appreciation of a man who can be saw so off his tits can still compete and get a face buster <laughs> and not throw up. Yeah, fucking hey. No one's lance writing it in this ring. <laughs> <laughs> so I get dum 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 welcome to the jungle. We got fun of games. But you get some generic bullshit, I imagine. Yeah gets booze, which is like, wait, hang on, Bam Bam's a face. But then you remember Shane Douglas, we're in Pittsburgh. Out comes Bam Bam Bigelow for our main event of the evening, the ECW World Heavyweight title match. Bam Bam Bigelow, the champion, against Shane Douglas with Francine. So I'm watching the original broadcast at this point. I swap back. Uh, The music is so loud, I can barely hear Joey Styles at all. Uh, So what I'm getting for Joey Styles where you can't hear anything through pirated music is Joey Styles is getting over the fact that normally it is a champion who comes out last, but Bam Bam Bigelow insisted ah. on coming out first. Nothing to do with the fact that Shane Douglas's pop would be huge. Nice, man. So I thought this was just because the music was so loud that I couldn't hear Joey, but this is not. The The commentary is messed up on my broadcast right. at this point. It, they've obviously dropped the levels for some reason, and so this whole match, I'm essentially doing without commentary. Okay. There's, there's enough crowd noise that I can hear Joey's there, but I don't know what he's saying. So yeah, that's a bit of a shame, but I guess you know original broadcast stuff is mistakes yeah. like this is going to happen. Um, let's talk about Bam Bam for a little bit. Shaved, tattooed head, fire all over his head, chin strap beard, flamed onesie, fucking awesome. He would never get a job in an office. <laughs> no, he certainly <laughs> wouldn't. But in terms of pro wrestling, this dude seems so massively underutilized to me. Yeah, I've always the from the east. Always been a huge fan of Bam Bam Bigelow. Never understood why he wasn't constantly a, a high-caliber WCW or WWF guy. I wonder if it's because, again, his his mass appeal. Because can you imagine when he was in WWF, had he had a run against Hogan? How good would that have been? Yeah. But I wonder, again, if it's case of Hogan and some of the bigger boys wouldn't work with him because, as a heel, he would work them under the table. There's a lot of stories about Bam Bam backstage like chucking people out of arenas because he doesn't like them or what they've done. There's a story um, that Shane Douglas tells in a shoot about being backstage with Bam Bam and Scott Hall. And Scott Hall comes in and is telling people what to do and is drugged up and stuff. And Bam Bam literally just takes him and puts him outside the arena. (laughs) like, a man that can do that to Scott Hall? The diamond stud, you know? Big, scary Scott Hall. (laughs) Like That's fucking impressive, man. You see Bam Bam talking in interviews. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that takes any shit. No, he's very straight talking through what I've seen. Yeah. So, do you know why Bam Bam wears the all-over gear? He's got a unicorn tattoo on his bum. In July 2000... Actually, that... Oh, no. Actually, hold on, that must be later. Oh, okay. So I've put two and two together, thinking that this is why he did it. But actually, later on, later on in his career, ironic because he's got flames all over his head and all over his gear. In July 2000, Bigelow received secondary-degree burns on 40% of his body while rescuing three children from a burning house near his home. Following the incident, Bigelow spent two months recovering in hospital. Jesus, what a man. What a dude. Like, anyone that's willing to do that level of stuff, like, fucking A. What Absolutely a, brilliant. What a great what human, a human being he was. I assume this is why he had the onesie with flames all over it, but that was after this event. So, what a weird coincidence. Tell you what, though, in modern day, if he'd done that in real life, if that and he'd been alive now, and he hadn't done it before, that would be the gimmick being shoved down your throat. He'd be over as fuck as well. Or right? he'd be a fireman gimmick. <laughs> Was that WCW guy Chuck something, the fireman? Oh, God, yeah, from the tag team. Yeah. <laughs> him and Bam Bam. Oh, God. <laughs> you're totally over. Get Where's my hose? So a grown man in the audience has a sign that says Francine makes me hard. And you're like, dude, you're an adult. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Maybe his therapist told him honesty is the best policy. <laughs> The camera shows the triple threat backstage kind of Goldberg-esque before fran- franchise makes his entrance. Pretty cool moment. Um, really again, nice first glimpse behind the curtain as well, wasn't it? Yeah, inventive ECW stuff. Like, Bischoff takes a lot of credit for that sort of thing. But I think, ECW maybe started doing it around the same time in kind of 96, 97. Yeah, this is one of the key points where Heyman always says WCW stole all of our ideas, yeah. this was one of them. I think so. Like, it's hard to say who did it first because it happens around the same time. Francine comes out on crutches. Any idea why? Uh, they, Joey Styles put over in commentary that she got injured in a melee. How good is Joey Starr's commentary? Yeah, it sets the story if you aren't aware of it, which is why it's so important to have the commentary. Which I didn't have. So it's like suddenly I'm missing all these elements and stuff. And you realize how good he is at putting over these stories and such. Um, All three pay-per-views, Joey Starr's been soloing on the commentary. Fucking one of the best in the business. Absolutely adore him. Best of all time. Absolutely. Outside Um, of Heenan. uh, For a a play-by-play guy, best of all time. Yeah. During this time period. Yeah. Yeah. So, ring introductions from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yay! Shane Douglas. <laughs> from Asbury Park, New Jersey. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> <Bam, bam, bigger laughs> <though.
2: laughs>
1: <laughs> Lots of heat. Real tension in the air. Bam Bam working strong heel. One of the most underutilized people ever, as I said. Uh, this match is all Bam Bam to start with and is throughout the vast majority of this match. This is the thing as well, as we um, alluded to earlier in the pod. And obviously you probably didn't get without the commentary. Yeah. This is where Joey Styles is really getting over huge how Bigelow is just dominating uh franchise. And obviously franchise is getting the hometown pop being in um, in Pennsylvania. And again saying that he deserves this. You know, you don't ever want to see it happen. But <laughs> based on all the things that he's done historically, it's not like he hasn't had it coming to him. Cool, cool, nice. So while he's still technically a heel and Joey Styles is playing the uh that this guy's heel he's given that element of sympathy of a case of well you know you do get your comeuppance but it's still a little bit ott from bam bam to, to deliver such a beating Fucking <laughs> hey. so it's much more traditional star match as well than what we've seen in most of these matches over the cw pay-per-views i'd say of all their pay-per-views this is what would be class as you said especially with the tension i know it helped having the hometown crowd there yeah the build the tension even the ring announcements the crowd was so hot for this yeah. The Terry Funk main event in Bay League was brilliant because it was the amazing fairy tale story, but this was like proper was big match it, feel. Yeah, the, the Bay League stuff rushed, it's a bit spotty. And, you know, they're getting to the point quick as they can because they're yeah. running out of time. This feels like they've gone, take your time, boys. Yeah. We've m- made sure we've given you what, 20 minutes, half an hour? Yeah. Timings? So the timing for this match was 25 minutes and two seconds, Brilliant. which was the longest match on the card. Interestingly enough, that Sabu fast was 20 minutes and 55 seconds. <laughs> Jesus, about 10 minutes too long. Hey, so um, I really like how Bam Bam is the dominant he- heel, essentially, even though he's the face everywhere else. But he's, he's literally dominating Douglas, like he's getting that heat, you know, he's really beating him down. Um, Then Douglas back in, even though he's a face, low blows Bam Bam, (laughs) like sticking with his heel character. Nice. It's a bit surreal, but like it's an interesting story to tell. And you you start to realize what Douglas is talking about with Paulie, where he must enjoy this, having this kind of like area of grey where he doesn't know quite who's face, quite who's heel, but this guy's more over as a heel. And it's kind of fun to play with, you know? And the low blow got a huge pop as well. It did, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there's quite a few Douglas hope spots, but Bam Bam cuts him off at every opportunity he absolutely has um this plays back to the hardcore tv match you said it was pretty much a squash to win the title so they've yeah. just got bam bam absolutely dominating for out again to follow on that story i guess fucking a bam bam get the table <laughs> bam bam up top goes for the moonsault but no franchise power bombs him through the table it looks absolutely brutal uh within moments bam bam is back on his feet and beating down douglas again you're like oh god even off that like he's still no sudden licks he's this big monster Really cool story. So Bam Bam is so big and strong, gives no fucks about you or your hometown. He's just going to town on Douglas the whole way through the match. Really, really cool. Douglas goes for a slingshot runner to the outside, but Bam Bam catches him and power bombs him through a fucking table to the floor. Absolutely disgusting looking. Should be a disqualification it's not a tables and ladders match. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the ring. Bam, bam, power bombs Douglas again, which was the finish of the last match. So I'm like, oh, this has got to be it. But only gets two because Douglas kicks out. I'm up. Cool hometown moment, you know. Francine calls for backup, and out comes the triple threat. Security cut them off at the pass. Cut them off at the pass. Badges. We don't need no stinking badges. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to. At this stage in the match, Joey Styles again getting over that if triple threat interfered, then uh, Douglas would be disqualified. Again, I missed all this. So So, as they were coming out... um, Joey Styles saying, well, clearly this is just um, Francine's way of making sure Douglas saves face. They're calling him out to force a door to disqualification to call the whole thing off, live to fight another day. Cool. Awesome. Clever. Really yeah. clever. It, again, it's, uh, it's playing off this whole weird dynamic of the heel and face and stuff, yeah. you know. So Bam Bam press slams Douglas over his head. Throws him head first to the mass of people by the entranceway and gets an audible, oh shit, from me because I thought Douglas was going to die. How far did he throw? We saw him throw way. Spike Dudley, but throwing like Shane Douglas in ECW, weight like 285 450 pounds, six foot 9 <laughs> Really uh, cool. So impressive. And again, it just goes back to, uh, as we said before at the start of this match, Bam Bam just had everything agile, strength, speed, gimmick, fucking A. Nasty bastards. Absolutely so douglas is now busted open and i think he's selling hard as well for bam bam like he's dying on the mat and stuff and doing a really good job of it yeah bam bam shoves the ref out of the way as he's trying to like stop him from beating the fuck out of douglas really cool brutal monster character francine in to smack bam bam over the back with the crutch bam bam no sells it completely grabs the crutch of francine swings it like a baseball bat and he's gonna destroy her if he hits Luckily, Francine ducks out of the Man, way. She got out of the way quick of that as well, which is a good thing because I'm pretty sure Bam, Bam was like, I'm not going to half ass this. <laughs> you need to move. Definitely. Bam Bam proceeds to beat Douglas up with the crutch and he dumps him on his throat onto the crutch. Yeah, it's like the most oh. horrible spot. I hate that thing bam bam grabs a chair and sets up a half broken table braced against the chair kind of like he's created a table from a chair and a table it's quite yeah. impressive <laughs> basically they'd run out from Sabu and sandman and they're yeah. like oh we've got to reuse this one bits that are left over yeah. you know? <laughs> main event caliber boys <laughs> he goes to do a huge powerbomb from douglas but then uh through the little contraption he's set up but douglas kind of wriggles his way out of it grabs a belly to belly Dumps Bam Bam through the contraption of table and chair. I don't know how to refer to it. For the one, two, three, and a huge pop. And new ECW World Everweight Champion Shane Douglas. In his third reign as ECW Champion. Absolutely, dude. Members of the triple threat run out. To come check on Douglas, make sure he's not dead from the destruction of Bam Bam. No one's caring about Bam Bam at this stage. (laughs) Quite clever. Bam Bam disappears before we even realize it. To let Douglas get his moment. Like, really cool. Clever. Like, that little intricate shit where people, like, know that... I have nothing to do with this now. Yeah, I need to get out of here, get to the back, let Douglas and the Triple Threat have their moment. And before they can have their moment, the pay-per-view cuts off and off we go. Yep. <laughs> Job done. Joey Styles says goodbye. The credits come up. ec ECW. ec dove. Oh, I love it. Absolutely great. So as we said, this is a transitional period now for ECW. They've started to really find their feet. After this event, to give you some completeness of what occurs. Go for it. So we have Mikey Whiprep continuous feud of Just Incredible. Um as obviously Whip beat Credible. Full-blooded Italians dropped the tag belts to Chris Candido and Lance Storm in a three-way dance involving the hardcore chair-swinging freaks. Nice, cool. Real name. <laughs> um, and after losing the heavyweight title, Bam Bam continues to feud with the triple threat um, and that's when Lance Storm officially joined the triple threat as well. And after this as well, would you believe it, Sam and Sabu were allowed to continue their feud after November to remember oh, and they completed in then the infamous Stairway to Hell match. That's the one I came across from doing the research. At yeah. House Party. Yeah, mm. so, interesting match. <laughs> but interestingly, after that, not much for RVD at this stage. No, not much at all. I mean, he gets his television title run pretty soon. Yeah, because that's when, the, and that was the twenty-one month run with it before he gets injured and has to drop the belt. Do you think the current, after watching like three W pay-per-views and kind of keeping track of the storylines and stuff, and how intricate and exciting it's all been? Uh, some of the resting we've not enjoyed, but you know, generally the booking has been so fucking fun. The logic has been phenomenal. What can modern wrestling learn from this time period and what is it good that isn't there anymore? What people can learn in this in modern time is that wrestling fans are not stupid. Mm. They don't forget. If you have plot holes, people will call you out on it. If you don't have things that aren't logical or don't make sense, people will call you out on it. While I don't like some of the hardcore elements of ECW, everything was logical and had a purpose. Even Mm. the Taz squashes, it was a case of, well, there's a purpose. I'm going to eradicate these boys who think they should be main event stars, and I'm going to build Taz as this. With that being said, should Braun Strowman be booked like Taz? should be squashing everyone. Yeah, but he won't be. But he should be. He should be, yeah. but His th- character would be so improved if he wasn't the second fiddle to Roman Reigns during that time period. If you look, unfortunately, in the, the modern time, is that ECW did not believe in 50-50 booking. They would build their stars. They'd have their enhancement guys who it wouldn't hurt if they lost. So people like Candido, for example. He would elevate talent, and it wouldn't matter if he lost every single match. He could always be a threat. FBI, Dudleys, all these people will take a fall if they need to. Exactly. And Dudleys were better when they lost. Yeah, I agree. But I think in modern times, the problem is 50-50 booking. Hmm. We will feature this in our uh, end game uh, later that I've created. (laughs) Okay. So a couple of little facts I found that were kind of fun about this pay-per-view. Douglas talks about basing this match with Bam Bam on a Vader-Flair match that he attended from 1990, which I thought was really cool, where Vader beat the fuck out of Flair and then Flair had a quick roll-up at the end sort of thing. I bet he wasn't happy about Flair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't. But the fact that he's still putting over Flair in like later interviews and stuff, I think he probably regrets bad-mouthing flair for that probably not regret is not the right word he'll say he has no regrets and stuff i imagine i think it's really held back his future earning potential i'd agree with that absolutely yeah even his little run in tna and stuff like it was quite fun i always thought he'd be a great manager later in life yeah can definitely talk people talk about him having only cheap heat because he says cut the fucking music and all this sort of stuff but i disagree with that i think he's a good promo guy when he needs to be i think he would be excellent color commentator absolutely uh there's an absolutely brilliant interview with bam bam where he talks about ECW being his favourite time in pro wrestling. That's nice. I just thought it was a really nice way to finish it yeah. off. And this is certainly my, it has to be my favourite time period ever, with my favourite company ever. Like, I've adored doing these three pay-per-views. There's been stuff I've hated, stuff I've just reminisced about and felt warm and cuddly about, you know what I mean? Well, we said this, Um, I think at the end of last week's pod, Barely Legal was amazing. I was so pumped for it. Yeah, And it's just the nostalgia. And the fact is that of the three shows, two of the three have still held up in today's time.
0: Because
1: I'd watch watch ECW, which was at the time essentially a glorified indie, and the quality of the production is pretty much the same as we've got 21 years in in the future. Obviously, things are easier to do. Things are easier to pull off now than they were uh, when ECW started going to pay-per-view. But every big element of ECW has stood the test of time, which I think is why will you still get cries and people screaming ECW at shows and they don't scream WCW? I would force all your raw writers especially to sit down and watch two or three years worth of ECW shows in a row, like make them, make them watch every single element of 1997 from ECW, 1998 from ECW, and give them some fucking ideas. Because I'm so continually not shocked by what's happening on WFTV at the moment. I mean... The, the thing, when I am, it's like, it's too personal. And like, why have you taken it there? The you thing, don't need to. The thing that gets me one, well, confused me the most is that Paul Heyman's on the fucking payroll. Yeah. So why don't they just say, Or oh, again, why doesn't a writer just say, Paul, Stephanie, Vince, could I possibly have a chat with Paul Heyman and run some ideas by him. Keep or even the, Keep the budget away from him, but like you know, yeah, <laughs> get exactly. some ideas off him. If he just basically said, okay, Paul, here's an idea I've got for Dolph Ziggler. Now we've buried him for 10 years. He's yeah. a great wrestler. How can we make Dolph Ziggler good again? How can we give him meaning? And Paul Heyman will be true and say, nothing. <laughs> cut it's him. Nothing. cut absolutely him. Absolutely cut him. him. Yep. Cut him, let him go to the Indies. It sounds brutal. You want people to make a living. You want them to be happy and all this sort of shit, but... I was watching, um, what's the pay-per-view this weekend? TLC. I watched TLC and I was sitting there going, I would cut half these people straight away. I would give everyone more attention to the people that would left, the ones I wanted to stay. I'd pay them a bit more, (laughs) you know what I mean? Make everyone happier, cut half the roster, less pay-per-view time, less TV time, even though I know that doesn't make sense financially. But just, I think if they improved their product, storyline-wise, it would. It, everyone would be better off. This is the problem, though, annoyingly. The product is dross at the yeah. moment. Don't get me wrong. There are some matches on that TLC pay-per-view, which were brilliant. And the again, main event was fucking awesome. But have you noticed recently... <laughs> it that It takes four and a half hours to get... Five hours to get there, you know? The problem is, as well, I've noticed, is that everyone's like, give Divas a chance, etc. Now that it's the women's division. Yeah. Have you noticed that since they've been putting the women in the high-profile matches, the lads aren't taking as many high spots or hard-hitting, hardcore matches? So they're basically going, All right, girls. Let's see how they can do, it. and obviously they're okay. knocking it out of the park because they're outstanding. But I also wonder backstage if the chaps would be like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll support this. I'll put put the girls in the main event. Yeah, we won't do the off the top of the ladder through the announce table stuff. We'll just do an arm bar." Uh, I've never thought about it that way, so I, I couldn't say yes or no. Yeah. But I can understand what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So, cornflake rating for this show. Uh, I haven't thought about it. Uh, probably three. I'm in agreement with you. So I went four for uh, barely legal. Yeah. I went two for hardcore heaven, and I've gone three here. So an average of three over the pay-per-views. I think your scores were the same. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing I'd write home about with this pay-per-view really, apart from the fact the booking is really, really fun, and they're starting to get new guys over. I think if we watched our pay-per-view in a year's time from this, and if they've still got people hanging around that was here, like for this show, which I believe they do, a lot of the guys. So Bam bam still there. I think Shane Douglas is still there. RVD is still there. Sabu is still there. So a lot of the top guys have been loyal to Paul over this last year, which is nice to see because it really helped them out. And um, my first DVD purchase is Raw 1998 ones. Okay. Because that's just when I was around and when I was buying DVDs. Um, So, yeah. So um, I'd love to look back at ECW in a few months' time and find a 1998 pay-per-view. Yeah. I think it would be interesting as well if we did the close. If we did the last three ECW pay-per-views. Oh, that was going to be controversial. I think yeah. that's going to be quite an interesting one. To Paul Hamlin <laughs> completely given up on quality booking and stuff, apparently. <laughs> yeah, but to see the change, how a man who's then trapped into a TV deal that he hates, a network who doesn't promote the show, he's running out of money, yeah. and he knows that if he can get out to another network, he can make a go of it, but his network are publicly, illegally negotiating with WWE to give them $100 million at the time, yeah. as per the promo. <laughs> so. I didn't know if you'd created a game for this evening. Nope. So, because this is our last pod of 2018, yeah, which we're recording now, obviously, uh, we've got our specials coming out on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Safe. So don't be afraid, listeners, we have more pods coming, but they've already been recorded, so there we go. Um, I'm going to finish off with an opinion game. So it's more of a discussion point rather than a game where you can win or lose. Fine by me. Do we have music for it? No, this is okay. more just a discussion topic. <laughs> Play the music! <laughs> i joking. <I'm> joking. I <laughs> got to get my gimmicks in, mate. <laughs> so, I'm going to ask you a series of questions about what's going to happen in wrestling in 2019, and you can say if you say, yes, it's going to happen, or no, it's not. Let's do it. So, we'll start off an easy one. A women's match will headline WrestleMania 35 in 2019. That's the next one, right? As in, the yeah, the closing show, it will be the end match. Has to be. Yep. With Roman Reigns... Uh, terrible what's happened to him that he's the whole leukemia thing Like, I'm absolutely devastated for the boy not a big fan of him wrestling wise uh, but he was the top guy he would have been headlining if he was still around they would have gone shield triple threat yeah that would have been likely something along that I thought maybe Reign Strowman or Reign Brock Strowman something like that the only match that could headline it for me is Strowman Brock but they've given that away at Rumble stroman's injured and they fucked it up yeah it's really that simple i would get rid of brock completely i would have stroman as your top guy for a long time now yeah as long as he's fit if okay. he's not fit he has to be big show levels of an attraction let's keep him off the house shows let's keep him off this pay him well only put him on the big big matches blah 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 blah, blah. um what female match will headline is harder to say um, for me, if Vince is booking it, it will be Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. This was my prediction from the get-go, but I think now Becky Lynch has thrown a spare in the works and it's going to be a triple threat. I think that's where it has to go. Um, I think Ronda is the big money draw. Yeah, Every casual fan out there, from UFC fans, blah, blah, blah. They all want to pay to see Ronda. That's been proven with the UFC. Their pay-per-view numbers were huge for Ronda matches. Um, Becky is the best person on their roster, the best person outside of a few New Japan talents in the whole world right now. Agreed. She is fucking awesome. That main event, TLC, they, they saved that pay-per-view. Charlotte Flair is not that far behind her. Asuka is not that far behind her. They've got solid characters. They're working their asses off every single match. And they're just about not booked into the ground yet. Yeah. So I'd like to see Asuka, Charlotte Flair, for the SmackDown belt, Ronda Becky Lynch main event WrestleMania. Only thing with the Oscar Charlotte Flair, they did it last year at Monia, and that's when Oscar Shriek ended. Revenge continuation storyline. Story no. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, it's interesting you mentioned Oscar from la- Rick Flair walked down with Charlotte. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> we've got um, a link to Oscar because we've mentioned her before in previous pods. Yeah. In 2019, will Shinsuke Nakamura leave WWE? I think he will. Because uh, spoiler alert, everyone! Uh, Christmas Eve special of SmackDown that's been pre-recorded. Rusev beats him for the US title. Oh, interesting! Uh, his contract's coming up, isn't it? Yep. So I think he's a goner. To me, Shinsuke had a really fun run in NXT. I think he's made a good amount of money being on the main roster. They booked him to shit with that feud with AJ. They ruined it completely. I mean, we saw lots of nut shots in this pay-per-view, but yeah. they—I mean, there you go. A writer probably watching gone. Nutshots, <laughs> and that's why Daniel Bryan's been doing nutshots. That's what we do with the most charismatic man in pro wrestling for the last ten years. You know, like fucking. I reckon up. it's probably just Vince McMahon going, ha, balls." <laughs> I'm well, Yeah, I'm absolutely convinced. Shinsuke and Okada, Shinsuke coming back as a heel, as a like Americanized Japanese character from New Japan, is everything they need right now. Do you think that would be Wrestle Kingdom fourteen? If it goes back. I think, um, I don't know when his contract runs out, but can you imagine Shinsuke turning up the night after Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, it'd be insane, wouldn't it? Oh, the pop, dude. Yeah, I think Shinsuke's a goner. Okay. 2019. Unless they're paying him a fuckload of money and he's really comfortable wherever he's <laughs> living in Florida. <laughs> well, he can go surfing all the time, apparently. Exactly. So he's over yeah, the moon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2019, we're going to see Vince McMahon really start to push on with the XFL. Do you think Vince McMahon is finally going to take a step back from WWE creative? I want him to. I don't think he can. Even though he's invested so much money in Alpha Entertainment to try and get a football league off the ground. It's Vince McMahon. He'll think he can do it all. I'm absolutely convinced. And I think the company is suffering for his involvement right now. And I think it will continue to suffer. Was he 73? Yeah. He's completely lost touch with modern day society um i think he has no idea what kids want i think he has no idea what teenagers and adults want nowadays it's like imagine your granddad's running this stuff like it just doesn't work anymore man he's lost touch okay a few more questions this one uh similarly linked to vince mcmahon and this is going to be a horrible question go on do you think 29 is 2019 is the year that vince mcmahon dies i was thinking about this the other day right because he looked awful on he, Raw. he did not look good did he no um and this is meant to be more a bit a case of yeah, I want him to die no, because no no, fine, no, no one no one wants that. But I'm really worrying about Vince McMahon. I'm i wor- I'm thinking more about when he dies, how will he die? Okay. I think it'll be heart failure of some sort because like, you know, you think about you look at his body during like yeah. the nineties, that dude stuck a lot of shit into his system. And everyone talks about him never sleeping, never being this, like that sounds like a drug addict to me. Yeah. Like I don't want to insinuate anything, allegedly, blah, 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 blah. But I think Vince has certainly abused his system over the years. Yeah. He's, I'm worrying is, about him a little bit at the moment. I want him to go and retire somewhere, but he doesn't want that. So fuck it. Who am I to tell Vince man what to do? Well, this is my thought process on this. I think the XFL is his wind down. He wants to give it one final go because it's really his only failure in his career. And I think he must be thinking that his time's coming. And I know it sounds stupid for a 73-year-old man, yeah. but as you said, for someone who's been at it, his entire life never slept put everything into the business traveling the amount he does and yeah you know there could be an argument that vincent mann will live forever but <laughs> it, i wa- i worry about his f- physical fitness i worry about his mental fitness and i wonder if it was a case of doing the xfl is a way of him saying right i haven't got much time i don't think i've got much time left i need to write this wrong and leave a legacy that the xfl isn't going to be a bum note in my maybe yeah my, my, my big theory about the wrestling side of it. The XFL, blah, blah, blah. I think it'll be funny. I think it'll do okay. It'll be like a smaller football league. I think it will do okay. It'll all be interactive. Yeah, they don't seem like they're flooding billions and billions into it this time. So I think it's sensible, you know? Yeah. Like when you set up a new business, you don't want to like get like 200 million worth of loans for a company that's only going to make 10 grand in its first year yeah. if it's going to make a profit or whatever. I think Vince man's seen that now as being more sensible about it. Um, My big thing with the uh, WWE is that I feel that when Shane came back into the fold, Vince went all right, there you go. You have this, you have this to a son, this daughter went, whoever does the best gets the company in the end. And, um, I mean, my question to you, I guess, who's done the best, Stephanie, you think she's the better brand, uh, marketer. She's the better face for the company. And also if you've got that multi million pound company run by a woman in the modern day and age, and this isn't meant to be a negative, it's a plus point for WWE. Look at our female execs. Cause a lot of their boardroom are female ex- ladies who have excelled in business. Excellent. Um, and Shane doesn't care.
0: That's why yeah. he went elsewhere. Shane's
1: come mm. back and he's on a talent contract. He's not on a creative. He's not on anything else. He's purely a Did talent not contract. That. Okay. So I think well, we assume. We can't really no, know, can we? No, but where are everything so open now. The fact that we all know that Stephanie and Triple H have both got talent and employee contracts with WWE. Yeah. So this leads on to a few other uh, more localised uh, things. Go for it. Will Progress return to Wembley in 2019 to do another super show? Seems likely. Yeah. But would you not think it would have been announced by now? Because they announced them a year in advance last time.
0: They announced
1: it at Chase the Sun at Ali Pali. I mean, they sold it the fuck out, didn't they? Well. But they've also lost a big chunk of their talent. Well, lost is not the right word. Well, the talent can still work for progress. Yeah. But i wonder now if they're more focused on booking nxt uk because obviously through what i've heard on the old grapevine i've still not found no evidence of that whatsoever so i've got to throw that in there it's only the people who i've spoken to who wrestle for progress okay fair <laughs> enough fair enough. okay um who have said that basically they're breaking news <laughs> <laughs> yeah all the seven people who listen to the Ford, although our numbers are very good so we'll get to that at the end i'd well, say so what do you mean we've got loads <laughs> of people listening now um, hello everyone I'd say that they won't go back to Wembley this in 2019. Okay, maybe 2020. Yeah, I think they'll, because they've left it too late. I think to announce a big show and get all the hype up, and they've done it. No. Yeah. Okay. I, I would. I don't see why Wembley wouldn't want them back. No, but I would also do this as a sidebar. NXT are going to have their first takeover in the UK. NXT UK. Cool. Uh, in Blackpool That'd in January. Fun. Yeah. What do you think the odds are for one of my penultimate questions? Of a progress versus NXT pay per view? Nah, never. Yeah? <laughs> never, absolutely never. They've learned so much, they don't need to promote other companies. It's not a case of that. Is it a case of helping the boys who have helped them get a brand and an income stream in the UK? Will they see it as a case of let's yeah. give these guys a payday? It's the especially with Vince in control, they're so strong on WF is the brand. WF WF <laughs> back to 1987 <laughs> suddenly. Uh WWE is the brand. This is what we get over. We're we're they've literally going to set up NXTs all across the world so that they don't have to go to these other indies and shit, you know? And they're letting the guys work indies because obviously I don't think they're gonna pay them enough to be loyal to NXT shows and that they've got free dates and stuff, I imagine. So why not? Um, Which kind of brings me on to something I wanted to ask you about. Oh, okay. Well, I only had two questions yet, but go ahead. Go ahead. So talking about oversaturation a little bit recently. Yes. Um, Starting to get a bit worried. Like Meltzer talks about watching Raw and comparing it to WCW when it started to die, right? I certainly get that feeling watching Raw like it doesn't entertain me it doesn't get the point. it feels like they're a bit desperate at this point they need to cut the three hours they need to basically hope in hell that this billion dollar deal with Fox goes well yeah and they need to hope that Fox like the product so much they take it off USA Network and say we only want a two hour show Vince but we'll pay you more than USA are paying you now for three hours okay they'd lose advertising money that way that's the problem because you lose the hour of advertising you do but then if you up your network subscriptions then you don't need it (sighs) And also you've got all your YouTube stuff because, no, the product's dross, but their YouTube hits, their social media interaction, the revenue they must be making. And I know that YouTube said they weren't monetizing wrestling, but WWE is an entertainment product. Okay. So that's why they get their money from YouTube. They're getting two million views the next day on some drossy three-minute video of Ruby Riott spearing, um, not Ruby Riott, uh, Natalia spearing Liv Morgan through a table. Right, okay. They're making big money for advertising there. So, do they need it from network TV? You say big, that's, YouTube isn't giant money, man. Like you it, said, it's, it's enough, but it's not like millions. But you've know? said before, network TV is a dying breed. Yeah. So, where's the advertising revenue? Okay. Because if that's dying off, if there are less if people you, watching. If, if YouTube gets the money to compete with the likes of Fox and the USA network, that's when it starts to get really interesting. Yeah. And that's where I think it will go. WWE is going to be kicked off network television once Vince McMahon dies. I've still said all along, as soon as Vince McMahon dies, Disney is going to buy WWE and then it's got a five-year, it's, it's basically D minus five years as soon as Disney buy that product. Okay, interesting. Um, I, I mean, you pretty much asked my question anyway, but I'm, I'm, I'm starting to worry about when a company starts to get to its latter stages, like before it dies, they tend to be stuck in a position where they've oversaturated themselves across the market where they've like, you talk about like MSN, NBC and stuff, where they bought like four or five different mergers. They've got all these foot, foot feet and everything. They've lost control of their company. And suddenly there's a big crash, which feels like it's about to happen across markets in general. Um, and then suddenly they don't know what to do. They've got all these footholds everywhere, all these products, all this stuff sorted out, and fuck all control of it. And suddenly there's no money to do anything. 2005. Yeah. Does it feel like that's about to happen? Yes. I... It's a bit scary, isn't it? I have concerns for the wrestling business because he said it's there's too much content. There's nothing original. There's nothing that surprises people. Don't get me wrong. Mm, bit of an overstatement, but I know what you're saying, yeah. The internet has killed pro wrestling. Oh, that's a bold statement. Jesus, I don't agree with that at all. Well, I mean, obviously, again, as we've said before, and we've said on many pods and even on the, um, the prequel pod, our lives have changed now, so we can't watch as much content. Yeah. However, even before my daughter was born, I wouldn't watch the product because I knew I could see the results on Twitter. I wouldn't have to spend two, three hours of my life watching wrestling because there's just other things to do. The storytelling is not compelling because everything is recycled. But because of the internet, why would people watch network TV when they can illegally stream like, like network TV? Because you see all yeah. these people selling these boxes that even get the American networks over here. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. It's concerning. And that's why I think they've done the Fox deal. I think they're trying to legitimize their sport. That's why I think when Fox will say, we want Daniel Cormier to do commentary, WWE will go, yep, of course, whatever you God, want. God, please, no, don't do that. Daniel Cormier will be, there you go, there's one for 2019, will oh. Daniel Cormier? But that's With what... every part of my being, no Daniel Cormier anywhere near pro wrestling. But, please, I hate the dude. But this is the issue, as you said. There's oversaturation, They're then... Johnny Bones Jones kicked your ass twice and <laughs> yeah. do it a third time, fuck you. Go on. <laughs> hey John Jones <laughs> <laughs> my favourite fighter ever even though he's done a whole bunch of fucked up shit best fighter ever yeah. genuinely fucking A he's the GOAT yeah. Ooh, Anderson Silva in his prime he would keep the shit out of Anderson Silva in his prime yeah long, long and short I think the pro wrestling business is in the dot com bubble again similar to how it was in the early 2000s WCW and ECW yeah. So, I hope they prove us wrong. I really do. We need the WWF to do well, WWE to do well, so everyone else can do well. However, if you look on WWE corporate, it's always amazing every time they've reached these big quarterly updates and they've all of a sudden the, the stock value goes up that Vince, Triple H, and Steph, and Linda all keep selling masses of their stock every time things go up. Yikes. Now, obviously, Vince sells his stock because he wants to fund Alpha Entertainment for XFL. Yeah, That's fair enough. But if Shane and... Steph and Trips all expect this to be a long-term thing. Why are they selling millions of pounds worth of stock on a regular basis? That's scary prospects, man. I mean, obviously, you know, that's the thing. It's a public limited company. So you can tell when it's going to start going down the pan. And their network projections and their their business projections look good. On their business reports, it looks very, very promising. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's not a case if it's a business that's in their control. If they can't get the money from network TV, if they can't get the Saudi money, If these things start to fall away, there's big chunks of profit missing. And to finish off, the Saudi money is what I think has paved over the cracks. How much money is NXT UK going to cost them before they go, fuck it, we haven't got any competition in World of Sport anymore? I I think the cost of NXT to run it isn't massive. Because they do all the commentary in post. They don't have to have a truck over here. They they basically do it at the venues. They've got their video walls set up for their UK stuff and their UK PC where they're going to get some I'm money. i more about wage costs and employment costs and such, especially international. But yeah, but if you think what they are paying their talent now, I mean, the rumours going around is that an NXT contract prior to the recent change was about 14 to 16 grand a year, hmm. which is more money than probably most guys had made on the indies who aren't a name like a Pete Dunne or a Trent Seven. It's or not a as much eight. as I'd like it to be. But I think that's gone up. Okay. obviously because now they've got their exclusivity yeah, they've got to do it but you've already seen some of these NXT house shows the attendances haven't been great I haven't watched it and I'm a big fan I'm going to watch it tonight because Eddie Ryan is making his debut on NXT Cool. so if you haven't seen it that's when it was at um, Plymouth but yeah it's yeah I'm worried projections look good but the Saudi money is paving over the cracks of those business reports because if they say their quarterly turnover is X they never break down how much that Saudi money is yeah and I wonder if, again, you know, we spoke before about when they went to do Crown Jewel, the penalty imposed by the Crown Prince, if they didn't go and do it. Yeah. I think Vince McMahon is, again, trying to boost the value of that company to either sell it or cash out. And when it all falls down, they'll have lots of money. Wow. Hmm. What, a, what a dull, dim way to end the 2018 last recorded pod we do. Well, it's, it's an interesting prospect. It really is. You know, I think they could, I'm bringing it back to ECW. I think they could learn a lot from the shows we've watched. And really develop their product to a point where, you know, they've got more interesting stuff and they're gonna hold on to their audience for longer. Yeah. I think they need to bring in solid storytelling. Less is more, which is why ECW did so well. No pay-per-views every month, great, because people actually want to see them. Both you and I probably only clocked that TLC was happening because we saw it on Twitter or the next day on the network, like, oh TLC. Yeah. Is that a lot? Oh, it's 2018. That's the only reason why I watched it. I was in Derby and I was like, oh, TLC. Great. I'll watch that. Have you got a story about Milton Keynes for me to end the pod? Well, to end the pod, we may remember on the (laughs) New Japan um, episode when I spoke about my hatred of when I was in bands and the general locks on toilet doors. Yeah. Well, I went up to Derby this weekend to visit some friends and on the drive up, I stopped at Milton Keynes so my daughter could go into soft play. Hello, Safari MK, if you're listening. (laughs) Now, amazingly, uh, considering it took us four and a half hours to get to MK, I was there in an hour and a half... (laughs) nice well nice. played oh no yeah. sorry two and a half hours yeah i got an hour and a half yeah sorry. we two got hours. fucked on that traffic on the way back yeah that sucked drove past the ice uh the ice arena as well so that was great <laughs> um and so we stopped off at this soft play i went into the gentlemen's facilities because i needed a poo i walked in there and who would have thought it two of the three cubicles did not have doors on excellent and at this stage <laughs> at this stage I was like what sort of shitty establishment i at. <laughs> luckily the middle cubicle which had a door on it and also a lock and loo paper was available so i go in lock the door sit down now um obviously again not great for audio but the loo is sat more than just just over an arm's length away from where i'm sat so the door is locked i'm sat there do you mean the door rather than the loo no no the, the loo and the door the distance between the two. Oh, i got you okay yeah you That's... said the loo is a foot away from the loo oh sorry yeah <laughs> <laughs> so traumatized by this experience good so um so i'm sat there as you would do in Enjoying a well-earned. I've driven. I've got through the tunnel. I'm very much enjoying this poo. Yeah. As I noticed, the lock on the door starts to open from the outside, and I can't reach the door. And it turns out a group of kids had walked in there and knew they could open the door from the outside. (laughs) So they open the door, and there's just me in front of seven kids, tattoos out of a bald head, having a poo. And the worst uh-huh. thing is, it's not like I blend into a crowd, covered in tattoos, bald oh, head, massive yeah. beard. And I thought I'm in a children's play play area, and uh, if someone goes, to you their on parent- list now. <laughs> well, just, if someone goes up to their parents, then Batman had a poo in front of me. No <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking kids. Uh, it's hilarious. Don't fuck the kids, man. <laughs> I'm not Lawler. <Lola. laughs> ah, yes, got one in. Well played. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, I'd love to hear what our listeners' opinions are on the safari ECW, mk not safari <laughs> mk but the ecw pay-per-views we've done what their opinions are on where pro wrestling is going in 2019 and what they think of the general product at the moment like, if you love it and you think we're talking nonsense about this being terrible just let us know all right? so it's the world of wrestling podcast on facebook you find us a world of rest podcast on twitter that's w-r-e-s uh what's yours i'm at the tax williams on, on is- face oh not even facebook no i'm not on facebook if you find one on facebook it's brilliant because then someone's impersonating me <laughs> <laughs> on the twitter and the instagram mine is rich name uh yeah check out everything on the world of that's where all the links are to all the different podcast apps and everything else and we had stupid shit up there and all that sort of stuff so yeah worldofwrestlingpodcast.com of wrestling podcast.com. uh i guess that's it yep so um tomorrow oh that's it's point. christmas yeah. eve so you will be getting a bonus episode Are we going to tell people what film we are covering in case they want to watch it in advance of our podcast? Go on. Ladies and gentlemen, on the 24th of December, Christmas Eve tomorrow, when this pod drops, Santa with Muscles, starring Hulk Hogan. Don't go and buy the DVD, ladies and gentlemen. You can watch it for free on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) If you have an ad blocker, you don't have to uh, watch the adverts either, which is even better. Um, And then a week after that, on Sunday the 30th of December, we have the... Well, I'll let you announce it. It's the Super Quiz Cup, which we've talked about before on pods and stuff, so I don't think this is like an announcement. Nope. but the Super Quiz Cup will be released. You can hear the three teams do battle for glory. Which we're going to do. We're going to do one around Wrestle Kingdom, around WrestleMania. I think we're going to do one around SummerSlam as well every year. So we're going to have three of these a year, and uh, there's going to be stuff defended. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) And also, there's probably going to be a lot of copyright warnings. (laughs) Oh, there might be, actually. Yeah, there's quite a lot of sampling of audio in that one. Fuck, okay. <laughs> It'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> so we can't monetize it, but if you'd like, we'll overdub the music we use in some of these episodes <laughs> just for making them royalty free for our crappy ECW sort of like overdubbing of Sandman and such. Yeah, fuck it. But I appreciate we've gone quite long on this episode um, with some of the discussion topics. But in a nerdy way, I, I you know, we started this earlier this year. And it's been an absolute blast. The numbers of people who listen to this every single week is fantastic and it grows every week. We and really, really appreciate it. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Whether you've been a guest on the pod, you've commented, you've liked, it's absolutely amazing that you still stick around. So while it sounds a bit nerdy, thank you very much. We love having you. We love doing the pod. We're glad that people do enjoy it. Yeah, fun um, And have a fantastic Christmas. Yeah, take it easy, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: the 1997 November to remember available now from ECW home video as the innovator of violence Tommy Dreamer takes on Mr. Monday Night Rob Van Dam. The return of dancing Stevie Richards. The beginning of the Mikey Whipwreck Just Incredible Feud. The much debated Sabu Sandman Tables and Ladders Massacre. Taz chokes out Pitbull number two, only to come face to face for the very first time with Mr. Wright's Bodyguard. The Four-Way Dance of Death. And the franchise regains the world heavyweight title from Bam Bam Bigelow. If you miss the 1997 November to Remember, it's a regret you'll never forget.